The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. What's up, everybody? This is your boy Dex with the I Am Pits podcast, and I'm back yet again for another episode. I know I'm getting back a little late, been super busy, been lateraling over to a new police department, so been kind of away from the microphone for a bit, handling business, handling that business that I got to handle to make sure I'm up to standard and up to par for where I'm working at now. And since I'm coming late, I know I will let me go ahead and say it. Happy belated Veterans Day to all my brothers and sisters who have made that selfless choice to raise their hand and swore an oath to defend the United States Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I had a good Veterans Day myself, although I did not partake of the free meals because I did not feel like going out and standing in those long, long lines and fighting with all you hungry veterans to get a free meal for something that I'd rather probably not eat anyway. So, but anyway, like I said, I hope you all enjoyed it. You all deserve it. You know, I'm glad that America does recognize Veterans Day. I wish it was longer. I wish it was a Veterans Month, but it's all good regardless. And like I said, I'm proud to be a veteran myself. And we all know why we choose to serve. We all know why we signed up. It wasn't for America. We all know it was for that Denny's Grand Slam, my bro. We all know that. We served those three, four years with Denny's in the back of our mind, knowing that once a year we get that free Grand Slam when we get out and we have done our time in hell. And that Denny's Grand Slam makes that time in hell all worth it. Can I get a hook? And while I'm on Veterans Day, let me go ahead and say happy belated birthday to our specially challenged little redheaded stepchild brothers, the Marine Corps. Y'all celebrating your birthday. My God, I, I always tell everybody, yeah, I'm an army guy, but I love my army. But the Marines know how to celebrate their founding. They really do. They, they got it together, man. They know they know how to make it work, man. So hope you all had a wonderful birthday. Hope there wasn't too much gay sex going on at the bar y'all were at. And I hope there wasn't too many people getting arrested. I'm just saying that because y'all are Marines. I know how y'all get down, man. If it's got two legs and a hole, it don't matter. <laughs> Male and female jarheads are ready to get down no matter what. <laughs> you know, I got to give y'all a little hell, man. That is my sworn duty as an Army soldier to give y'all hell, especially considering since y'all are part of the Navy, you know, so can't even ride to your own wars and battles, man. You got to hitch a ride, dog. And then you're hitching a ride into battle with Army equipment. And not just that. Also, I was listening to a uh, show the other day. It was talking about Fallujah. The, I, mean, I was around Fallujah in 2004. I wasn't in it. I was in Baghdad. But I just remember, you know, they were talking about this giant battle coming to Fallujah. It was the biggest street fight the military has fought since Vietnam. You know, and the Marines were leading the way. And all that fighting and all that bloodshed. And guess who walks away with the Medal of Honor? An Army soldier. Can I get another hoop? All right, let me stop. Let me stop, man. I'm drinking a 
a little bit of Jethro Creed bourbon right now. It's a cold, cold day here where I'm living at. I'm not telling y'all where I live because I don't want you coming to my doorstep. And the mood is set, man. I'm wearing this red flannel. My first time wearing a flannel shirt, and I am in love. The inner white man in me is screaming right now. I don't know why I have not started wearing one of these a long time ago, man. My God, I could just feel my credit score going up just wearing this thing right now. And not just that, man. I got this candle burning right now. It's a gun. It's a candle from Gunfighter Candle Company, a veteran-owned company. Unplugging them because, man, freaking amazing. And not just that. It's a candle that when it once it burns down, it becomes a bourbon glass. Freaking phenomenal. So, man, go get yourself one of those, man. Go support that company. Freaking awesome, man. And not just that. I got this candle from Eric Tanzi from the Failure to Stop podcast. So, man, like I told you, I've been away from a little bit. Had a whole lot going on. So this past couple weeks, I had some people reach out to me. So Eric Tanzi from Failure to Stop reached out to me because he was going to be in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yes, not Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Ohio. And they invited me up to be on the One More and I'm Out of Here podcast. These great, great, great group of guys up there, man. Uh, they're a conglomerate of guys. You got a lawyer, a guy that does radio. You got a, a firefighter up there. And, man, they all get together and literally at the bar and they have a podcast. And they invited me to be up, up to be on the podcast, Eric Tanzi and Drew Breezy. And then let me tell you, I had a phenomenal time with these guys. They brought me on, promoted my show, and they treated me so good. So good. I think they were extra nice because I was the only Negro for miles and around anywhere. I didn't see any other black people. Maybe they were around, but maybe it was just nighttime. I didn't see them. I don't know. But I was the only one I saw. So I don't know if everybody was just being extra cautious. And then for some odd reason. So I drove after I got off work. I drove two hours up there to go hang out with them. And then I drove back home because I had to work the next day. And well, when I came back the next day, they were asking me. Where were you last night? I, was, I drove home. No, they had a t- shooting in this town that <laughs> I was in. So it's Cincinnati, but it's a little suburb town called a- Anderson Township. And there was a shooting that night that I left. And I walked into the bar and everybody's looking at me. And I'm like, I promise it wasn't me, y'all. I know I looked apart, but I, I-, I swear it wasn't me. But <laughs> but now, nah, man, we had such a good time, man. Those guys are phenomenal. If y'all are listening, thank y'all for having me out that way and having me on your podcast. So the whole reason they had their podcast, this big event was they had Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller. If you don't know who that is, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you. I don't know if you all remember, but this little minor incident we had in Afghanistan during our pullout when we lost a bunch of uh, Marines and a sailor and a soldier because of the Biden administration's complete catastrophe of a pullout and withdrawal from Afghanistan. Well, there was one man, one Marine, one Lieutenant Colonel who had the balls to stand up and say this was jacked up and who we need to hold somebody accountable. And that man was Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller. Well, he is from Anderson Township up there where I was at, where these guys were on this podcast. And so he just recently released his book called Crisis of Command. And he came there to the town to do. He came home to vote that day in the midterms. And then he also came there to promote his book and be on their podcast. And let me tell you, man, it was an honor to be able to stand next to Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller. And I sat on the podcast with him for a brief second. You know, and I just told him, thank you for having the cojones to do what so many other military leaders have failed to do. And that is hold somebody else accountable for things that have happened. 
it, it just doesn't happen these days, man. And he was bold enough to make a video about it and put it out. And this man, you know, after serving in the Marine Corps for 17 years, he put his career on the line and everything on the line. He put it on the line for the soldiers and Marines and sailors and everybody that died in Afghanistan over the years. He did it for them, man, to hold brass accountable. And you know what? They took everything from him. And so he walked away from his career at 17 years in and got nothing to show for it, man. But I'm hoping and praying that that guy, he's got a bright future because when you operate with that type of integrity and that type of compassion, man, and that type of motive and drive, there's nothing you can't do. Man, that tells you right there, somebody's willing to risk it all and they still have skin in the game after 17 years to just walk away from it. That tells you that that person is legit. So Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller, man, you are awesome. And the best part was as a published author, one thing I really like doing is meeting with other authors that have written books and doing a signed book exchange. So he and I were, you know, I was able to sit with him, chat with him, shake his hand. And we did a signed book exchange. And man, so I have his book here autographed and signed with his phone number. So hopefully if I play my cards right you know, I dropped him a text. He told me to text him, but. He's taking a break right now because his book tour is coming to an end. But hopefully I get him on the show here in January. So that'll be a nice, nice addition to the Iron Pitch podcast. And, you know, it's just so awesome having your own show, your own podcast, your own thing that you create. Man, It has opened up so many opportunities to me that would have never come if I decided to keep my mouth shut and just keep my thoughts to myself. See, man, I have met some amazing people from doing this. And like I said, the guys from the One More and I'm Out of Here podcast, freaking amazing people, man. Just, I mean, Eric Tanzi from Failure to Stop, Drew Breezy, all these guys. These guys are like celebrities in my eyes, not the crappy American Hollywood celebrities I care talk, everybody talk about. I don't care about those people. These guys are my heroes. These are the guys I look up to. You know, these are the guys blazing the trail that I'm kind of following behind, you know, following behind. And man, I'm enjoying this ride. And like I said, I don't care about becoming a YouTube celebrity, YouTube famous man. This I do this personally for me because I enjoy it. It gives me something to do besides being a cop, but also because of what it brings to my life. And I'm able to reach out and communicate with people that are different. And, you know, people reach out to me from across the country, cops, regular people. Man, it's freaking awesome, man. I, I really enjoy it. And like I said, it has brought a lot of joy to my life. But at the same time, I told people it's a job. You know, you got to research and you got to you know be willing to open your mouth and put it all out there and be criticized. You know, I've been criticized by people for having the podcast and by strangers. I mean, whoever. And you know what? I don't care because I don't do this because, you know, if, if I cared enough, I would probably stop doing it. I just really don't care what anybody thinks. So whether you like the show or not and you hate me, oh, well, you're still listening. And, you know, and the thing is, as a police officer, an active, currently serving police officer, man, a lot of people, a lot of officers are afraid to speak up and say anything and express their opinions and views in a podcast because of the current political environment where it's a witch hunt for cops. So for me, I started with a new police department, you know, the other week. And of course, you know, I got pulled to the I got pulled into the office. It wasn't nothing malicious, but my new chief. Man, shout out to you. I don't know if you're listening or not, but man, he pulled me into the office and he had to talk with me about my podcast. And it was awesome. It was phenomenal just because the fact that he acknowledged it. and He told me, I respect your First Amendment rights. Just be careful. And you know what? That there meant the world to me because he respects me 
not just me, he respects my rights. And the fact that he acknowledged me and saw me, that's why I told myself, this is the place I want to be and I'm going to be and I'm going to respect this place like it has respected me. And now I had heard some buzz before I went to this place that there are people that were concerned about the podcast, that it could be used to hurt the department or call out people. But that is not what my podcast is for. I don't know if those people are listening or I don't know if somebody's listening to this that is going to relay this to those people. But I will tell you all this. Officer Pitts does not use his podcast to make any place look bad or to crap on people. I use my podcast to be a positive influence, to share stories, to share hope, to share the truth. I use my podcast to shed this to shed a positive light on this profession of policing that I love so much. So if there's anybody listening that has concerns about me in the show, I promise you, you have nothing to worry about. I'm not attacking anybody. I'm not coming after anybody calling and dropping names on here like that. Unless it's somebody really, really deserves it because they're an absolute scumbag. But typically I try not to say scumbag people's names on the show because I don't want them to have any get any recognition. I don't even want their name to be spoke. But, you know, I I enjoy this podcast and what it does. And let me tell you, all man, I would never want to do anything or say anything to cast where I work in a bad light or the people that I work with in a bad light. Now, that's not to say that there are going to be things I don't like or dis, you know, agree with. That's anywhere I go. But for me, it's all about respect. And I'm going to continue. I'm going to respect the people that have hired me in the town that I work in because you know, that's just who I am. That's just what I want to be. That's the vibe I want to put out into the world. I don't want to put out any negative vibes and just use my show to be negative. And no, man, I want to be reasonable. You know, I want to entertain people, make people laugh and make people think. Get outside the box. And that is what I'm hoping to do with this podcast as I continue on. And for me, like I said, it's the fact that they acknowledged it, regardless if they like it, my podcast or not, or whether they support it or not. Just the fact that they acknowledged it makes me feel good. You know, because to me, being ignored like I was at LMPD, that does, that speaks values to me. That speaks volumes to me. That tells me that you don't care about me. You don't value me, period. Good or bad or in good or indifferent. The fact that I was never acknowledged, it just it kind of burned me a little bit. And it just really reinforced the thoughts I was having that this place does not care about me. And so for me, I'm officially moving on from LMPD and this is podcast is my farewell to LMPD. And before I say that and get started deeper in this thing, let me, let me, I want y'all to understand something. I am not doing this podcast as my farewell to LMPD to crap on that department, to crap on certain people, to tell people, man, I would never work there, man. F that place. F them people. That's not who I am. And that's not what I'm going to do. That's because that's not what I'm about. That's not what I want my reputation to be. I want my kids to be able to listen back to this podcast one day and be like, yo, daddy left out in a respectful manner. So this is not this is not that, you know, I've I've been back with LMPD for two years and four months. And man, I'm, the crazy part is I remember when I came back, it was during 2020. I swore back in June 15th of 2020, the peak of the riots. It was after the first two weeks of chaos and things that calmed down. I was back right at the end, the tail end of that. And when things were picking back up, people were telling me, dude, are you crazy for coming back here? Like, why would you come? You left. You made it. You went federal. You were a federal agent and you came back home. Are you crazy? 
And then when I started telling a few people here and there that I was leaving to go work at this new place, I heard the same thing. Are you crazy? Why are you leaving? You came back. Why would you leave? You know, and that's I'm just saying that the goes it goes to show people that no matter what decision or choices or decisions you make in your life, people are going to always have something to say about what you're doing, good or bad. You know, there were people that uh, somebody told me one day at the jail, like, you don't know what you want to do, man. You're here. You're there. You're this. You're that. I'm like, bro, listen, one, I'm ambitious. Like, If you're OK, just being here and being in the LMPD and that just being your life, that's cool. Me, I dream bigger than LMPD. I want more than just that. I love my time here. But man, like you got a podcast, a book. So, yes, I'm proud of my podcast and my book because I worked hard on these things. What else have you produced or shown besides being a cop and a couple cool stories at a bar with your drunk buddies? I'm more than just this uniform. And I don't want to just be tied to a Louisville Metro police officer uniform. I'm ambitious, man. I'm the guy that has done literally everything I wanted to in my life. God has blessed me to be able to accomplish every dream I've set out to be. I've literally done everything I've wanted to in my life thus far, man. And it is a great feeling. That's why I can walk away from this place with my head held high and not give two dams about somebody saying, well, man, you're never satisfied. You you don't know what you want in life. I know what I want in life. I'm doing what I want in life. I just know what my worth is and my value is. And I'm not going to find that. And I don't expect LMPD to see that my value is not determined by the uniform that I wear or where I work. And, you know, I think a lot of people say this stuff to me. I think honestly, a lot of people I hate to say it, I think a lot of people are jealous at the fact that I walk through life fearless in a way to where I'm not afraid to step out into the unknown and try something different. At the beginning of my book, I am Pitt's memoirs of an American Patriot. Got to plug it. I have a part to my children that says there is nothing in life that you will find in comfort. Get ready, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable because you don't grow in comfort. And I feel like we have a lot of officers and a lot of people in general, not just officers in Louisville Metro Police Department, but people that are just comfortable, man. They're good. They got a paycheck coming in. They're OK with everything. They live in the chaos of everything and they're just OK. And you know what? There is nothing wrong with that. If that's the life you want to live, do it, man. Who am I to tell you not to? But me, I like comfort, but only to a certain point. And I've gotten comfortable with LMPD. I got comfortable with the chaos and the stress and the fatigue. And I don't like to be comfortable too long. I like to challenge myself and go out and find new things and do new things. And that is what I've always chosen to do. And I am glad that I've done it. And, you know, people are asking me, do I regret leaving when I left in 2018? No, I I was in a good position when I left in 2018. And, and I loved that department when I left. I wasn't bitter. I just had dreams beyond that, man. I wanted to be a federal agent. I wanted to be a federal agent since I got out of the army. Man, and I got the chance to do it and I seized the opportunity and I did it. I didn't like it and I came back home and they asked me, do I regret coming back? No, I do not regret coming back to this place when everybody was leaving. Why? Because when I was in Arizona and I saw the riots kick off and I saw my city, my department and my brothers and sisters in blue needed me. There was no other place in this country I'd rather been and wanted to be than on the streets of Louisville with you all standing on the line. And guess what? I do not regret it because that was where I wanted to be at front and center of the chaos of this historic moment that gripped the nation and the city for years. And we are still dealing with the effects of it. 
So, no, I do not regret coming back. I don't have any regrets, man. I've done everything, man. And it's been it's been a freaking blast and it's been a great ride. And so when I left last time, you know, I made this uh, giant, this post on uh, Facebook and took a picture of my resume, my resignation letter. You know, and I sent it out and I put the little black deuce symbol chucking the deuces. I'm out of here. And I remember on the post, I said that just happened. You know, so I made a big post and people were commenting on me leaving and man, I left with making noise. It wasn't, I didn't leave disrespectful. It was just like, Hey, I'm out of here this time. Not so much, man. You know, some people go quietly. Some people go softly. Some go loud. And this time I just felt like, you know what? I don't need to tell anybody I'm leaving. The people around me that know me already kind of know that I'm leaving. So there was no posts. There was no bragging. I just handled my business, turned in my gear and I walked out the door and I moved on to the next chapter, man. And everyone's different. You know, everybody, you know, I know people that when they leave and move, they, you know, you got to move in silence like a real killer, bro. You know, you can't let nobody know your next move, man. You know, you get the more people up in my business. And like I said, if that's your thing and that's your way you want to go, so be it. Me personally, I don't give a damn if people know my business. I really don't. I don't care. I don't, it doesn't change anything about what I'm doing, you know, and this is also a true fact. I told no one that I put in for this new job and I came to work a short, a couple days later, everybody knew everybody. I don't know who said anything about what I don't. And guess what? I don't care. That's why I say there is no such thing as private business on the police department. This place is like high school with the room. Everything travels so fast. So you don't want people in your business. Guess what? People already know your business for the most part. You tell one person, guess what? You didn't tell everybody. Everybody know your business because of one person. So it is what it is, man. And that's why, you know, people, I don't want nobody to know what I'm doing. Bro, we already, we all know. Trust us. We all know. So that's why I say, why care what people think? Do what you're going to do, man. And, you know, I think people think I was going to be gloating about the new gig and you know, just making all this noise about it and F this place and that. But that's like I said, that's not what I want. And and plus, man, before I left, it was the hardest decision I've had to make in a long time. It was so hard because, man, I honestly had my heart and mind set on staying with the Louisville Metro Police Department for the remainder of my time and career, because this is my home. This is the place that grew me. This place was there for me when I had nothing else. And man, when they called me and offered me the job, I told them, look, I need 24 hours to pray and think about this. And I was torn because I came back at a time when this place needed officers and people when everybody was out the door. Yo, the, the bond I formed with the people on my platoon currently, man, down in the first division, it's special because man, we've been through so, so freaking much. And people don't realize that. I mean, we lost Officer Nick Rodman in 2015. Then we lost Deidre Mangado. She was a second division officer, but she died in our division. Then we just lost Zach last year. And then now on top of that, we go through the protests and riots every day. That was our reality for a year and a half every day. When officers out in the eighth division and seventh division, this ain't no, no judgment on them. That's you're working a good place. I don't blame them, but we were on the front line every day. And so we that was we bonded over that, man. And so for me to just up and leave, knowing that if I leave, especially when I looked at the time book, I was looking at the amount of officers that were going to be on the street the day I decided if I was going to take that job or not. 
and how short they were going to be. It was hard because I love those men and women in uniform that I served with in the first division. Freaking great people, man. And it was it was a hard decision. And after 24 hours, I called them and I decided that I was going to accept the job, man. And I felt guilty. I felt horrible because I knew I was leaving these people behind that I had formed this bond with over the last two years. And man, it was I couldn't even really enjoy be joyous or celebrate me getting the job just because I felt so bad thinking about them and what it was going to do to the squad and how short they were going to be. You know, I'm loyal. I'm loyal to the fault, man. And it was hard for me to make that decision. But I I had to look at what was best for me, what was best for my family and what was best for my health and my mental and emotional health. And, and let me tell you, I, I know I've made the right choice. I know I made the, there's not a shout, not a doubt within my mind that I've made the right to- choice. Ooh, excuse me, slurring my words a little bit. This Jeff the Creed's hitting kind of hard. And but before I left, you know, I did a lot of research, man, about where I was going. I got a buddy that left there. A couple of buddies I, I worked with on LMPD left and went to this new place. And, and I did ride alongs and I asked questions. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that if I was making this jump, that it was going to be a jump good, not just for me. But my family, because believe it or not, when you wear this uniform, you don't just serve. Your family serves with you because when you go through hell at work, you come home with that hell in you and it's hard to detach. So, so it's your family serves with you, man. It's it ain't just you serving. And, you know, and when I was so torn, I started thinking about the reasons in my head that made me initially submit that application for where I am now. And one of the biggest things for me was when I was making that decision was, man, LMPD took a chance on me. A disabled veteran with a partially functioned left arm that got almost that almost lost in Iraq in 2005. They took a chance on me and they they could have said no, but they said yes. And they gave me an opportunity, man. So, you know, I'm I am going to be forever thankful to the Louisville Metro Police Department for what they have given me and done for me. And, and let me go ahead and say this also preface this. Like I said, I'm not using this podcast and this is not a show to crap on the Louisville Metro Police Department, but. I'm not angry. I'm not bitter. I'm disappointed in the current direction, yo, but I am not going to sit here and tell anybody that listens to the show that's a new officer or someone that's looking into becoming a cop in Louisville. I'm not going to sit here and tell somebody not to work there. I would never do that. I will tell you to do your research, look into it. Hell, if you want to talk to me about it, I will tell you the good and the bad. Email me at IamPitts at Yahoo.com. And I will tell you my number and I will call you and talk to you about it. But I would never tell you not to work here. I would say do your research, check into it, make sure it's what you want and know what you're getting into. But I would never tell someone not to work here. If you call me today and tell me you want to work there and you want to be there, guess what? I will help you and walk you through the process. I will talk to people I know that are in recruiting that want good people. And I will do my best to help you get hired at that department if that is what you want. Because I am not a bitter ass employee. I'm not. I'm disappointed, but I'm not bitter. And so I know y'all are hearing this and you're all wondering, so why did I decide to make that choice? Why did I finally decide to leave after everything, after leaving in 2018, coming back in 2020? And a couple podcasts ago, I was telling y'all how I was excited about the future with LMPD and that, you know, I was looking at becoming an FTO and and I really was, you know, but. Yeah, man, you know what I want in my heart versus my mind, you know, sometimes it gets entangled, man. And 
you know, I, it, 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 ooh, I'm sorry. I'm at a loss for words and a little emotional about it, man. But, you know, I, I compiled a list and of four, four main reasons why I decided to move on. And so for me, one reason number four is the big police department versus the smaller police department. So, man, I was tired of being just a number on a roster. Now, LMPD, when I first started, was not did not feel like that. It really felt smaller. It was a lot of people, but it just I don't know. It was just it was a different place in twenty nine to or excuse me, 2009, 2010, you know, and man, I'll be honest. So I met my police chief for the first time in person. Erica Shields a couple months ago at an event and I told y'all before on this podcast on one of my early episodes dear chief you know I sent her an email and tried to get a meeting with her and it was never scheduled and you know I told y'all I ain't, I ain't gonna beg somebody for my time but you know I met her a couple months ago at this event and her face was just kind of blank you know and it's almost like she could care less who I was I was holding my book in my hand for crying out loud and didn't care shook her hand and it's just like she wasn't interested man and it's like she didn't get I really felt like she didn't care. And so everybody likes to crap on our previous chief, Chief Steve Conrad. Great guy, great man, horrible leader. But I give him this, man, for some. I don't know how it was, but I was at my buddy's funeral. Cameron Trooper Cameron Ponder, who was killed in 2015. Man, I was in the gym at the funeral and Chief Conrad comes up to me and says, Dexter. How you doing? How those kids? I'm like, excuse me? Like, I didn't know this man knew my name. I don't know how my chief knew my name. It was beyond me, but he was so personable. And the fact that he approached me and talked to me like a person and acknowledged me, man, regardless of all the bad, you know, the bad decisions he's made, I, I, I at least felt and knew like he cared about me because he acknowledged me and he saw me as a person. You know, I, I honestly didn't get that from this current chief. I didn't, you know, she's an outsider. She's not from here. She don't have to care, you know, and maybe she does care about me. I don't know, but I just didn't feel like she did, you know, and it was, it's the little things that go a long way, man. And him, Chief Conrad, knowing my name, that did something for me. That was like, man, I don't mind working for this guy. You know, you don't make the best decisions, not the best leader, but at least he knows I'm a person, you know, so that, that, that really spoke a lot to me. And so for me, you know, being on a big police department, man, it's a good thing, especially for younger officers. You have a lot of more resources, a lot more work to do. It's a lot more fun. But, you know, when you're on a big police department, the access to your command, it's a lot harder. You know, the muddy, the waters get a little bit more muddier and you're not the only person they have to be concerned with. They have, you know, budgets, politics, which shouldn't be a thing. But, you know, other officers, discipline issues. I mean, they're busy people. And me, man, I. I wanted to have more access to my command, to the chief, you know, to those in charge, you know, the city council and the mayors. You know, I didn't want to have to make a special meeting because they're so busy, you know, that they can't meet with their officer, especially when they have an open door policy. And you try to utilize that open door policy and but it's closed to you, you know. And for me, I was I'm just tired of the big police department, the urban, you know, run, 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 gun, 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 you know, and. I was done with it, man. I've been doing it for 10, 10 plus years and I love the job, but man, smaller police departments, you know, there's less people, there's less officers. So guess what? There's more eyes on you and you get a bit more scrutiny and I'm okay with that. I don't mind getting scrutiny, but I want 
on a smaller police department, I'm able to let my true character and who I am show and shine. And it's easier to be seen because, you know, I'm one of like 50 as opposed to one of eight, nine hundred people typically try to avoid being around command me. I don't want to avoid being around command. I want command to know that I'm around. I want command to know the type of man that I am, the type of integrity that I have, the type of character that I have. So when some crap comes out, they can look and be like, no, that's a good officer. They don't have to look at my files and be, look at my performance history. They can know me personally and say, that's a good dude. That's a good officer. We're going to do what we can to help him. We're not just going to throw him under the bus because I feel like it's a lot harder to throw somebody under the bus that you know and care about somebody that you know without a shadow of a doubt is a good person. And I feel like you don't get that on Louisville Metro Police Department because it's such a giant place, although it's shrinking, but it's still big, man. You know, and and the thing with working with a big police department is you get pigeonholed. You pigeonhole yourself. I pigeonholed myself into patrol because I didn't want to, like, work outside of what I did on the beat and getting search warrants. But because man, when you're in a big police department, you get to spread your work around. You do the initial call as an officer, take the report, and you pass it on to the detectives, and you move on to the next one because you're too busy to solve a crime. I mean, the workload, you got the, you know, you have a higher workload in call volume, but you do less on the back end. You know, then you have more resources, and then the accountability and the scrutiny you get on the, uh, on larger police departments is different than on a smaller police department. So on a smaller police department, guess what? I get to do more work on the front end and the back end if I choose to. Like I, said, I like the accountability and I like the scrutiny because it keeps me in line. A lot of officers on Louisville Metro Police Department, myself included for years, I was comfortable with the fact that if I did the bare minimum, nobody was going to say anything. But I'm growing and getting older and, you know, I want to grow in this profession. I want to be held accountable. I want scrutiny because I want to be a better officer you know, for my community, for my department and for my family and for myself. You know, I owe that to myself, man. You know, and I, I said, I'm not better. It's I was just I just needed a change, man. I I really needed a change. And I'm glad I made the change. And, you know, another thing, reason number three, why I decided to leave Louisville Metro Police, the schedule. Man, let me tell you all something. The work schedule has changed over the years. And it's not what it was when I started. And of course, I was a lot younger when I started. I was 26, 25 or 26. I'm now 38 years old. And man, I remember when there was talk about us going to 12 hour shifts. And man, people, the older officers in the department were raising hell because when I first started, we had multiple different shifts. We had it was eight hour shifts. And then you also had some 10 hour shifts on mid watch schedule from 3 p.m. to 1 a.m. But everybody else was on eight hour shifts. It was six days on, two days off. You get a two, three day weekends like every three months. It was a horrible schedule. On mid shift, man, it was like you work four days, off three days, work four days, off three days, work four days, off four days, work four days, off four days. And you could still go out and party after you get off shift at one o'clock. But man, when we started having manpower issues, the department went to all 12s and older officers raised hell. Yo, they were like, you don't need to be in a police car for 12 hours, yo. And Man, I was like, man, I don't want to go back to six and two schedule because that's a slave schedule. I mean, the average American works five days and get two days off, but we're going to crap on the profession and make these dudes work six days in a hostile environment, only two days off. On night shift, it's even worse because you're going to spend the whole first day off sleeping, recovering. You really get no downtime, you know. So, man, 
when they started the 12 hour shifts, I was lucky enough to be in a specialized unit. I didn't have to do the 12 hour shift. So when I left and came back, I was kicked to the streets. And I remember my first 12 hour shifts on nights downtown. Oh my Lord. Oh, it was horrible. Like, and I told y'all, if you listen to this podcast, I started developing issues and problems from the 12 hour shifts, man. And I just felt worn down and tired on nights. And so I finally, because of my awesome chain of command, shout out to uh, major Shannon Lauder and my first division command, they work with me and, I eventually got to day shift, man. I'm so thankful for that because I was dying, but day shift was better, but I was still tired and exhausted, man. Dude, people don't realize when you work a 12 hour shift in a busy division that's short on officers, you are literally balls to the wall from eight o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock at night. You're doing more work with less people. And let me tell you, I was so exhausted and stressed out and I didn't realize it until I've left the police department. Now I'm looking back like, I don't know how we were doing it. I don't know how I did it. Yo, and I was so tired every day. You work 12 hours, come home at eight o'clock. Kids are already in bed and then you got to take a shower and get to sleep so you can get up early to get to the gym so you can get to your shift. Yo, and I just felt like I did not have a life because of the 12 hour shifts. I hated the 12 hour shifts. I mean, people say, well, you only work half the year. Well, let me tell you something. It ain't, it ain't feel like I only worked half the year. I felt like I worked all the freaking time and I was always tired. Like I just never got enough rest, man. And the 12 hour shifts just wore me down and I was tired of it. Where I'm at now, I'm back on the old schedule I used to have when I was a rookie officer on the 10 hour shifts. And guess what? I'm freaking loving it, man. It's only been a couple weeks of it and I can already tell. I feel normal like I feel decent and you know I'm gonna be starting on night shift here in a couple weeks yo guess what I feel good man I'm rocking and I'm rolling I'm like man I think I can handle you know night shift on 10 hours I don't want to but I ain't got no choice so I'm gonna make it do but you know at least I I get enough time to recoup and recover and so the other reason the second reason the reason number two why I decided to take flight and leave man is you know in my 10 years with LMPD I spent a lot of my time in the hood in downtown. And let me tell y'all something. I am addicted to the chaos of policing in the big city, man. I freaking love it. Man, my dream job when I initially became a cop was I said I always wanted to work the downtown area. I've always, that's all I wanted. When I watch cops, I would get extra excited when they'd be downtown working. I don't know what it is about downtown, but I just want to be a downtown cop. And I was, man. But, and man, I spent the last 10 years of my life in this career. I mean, I've been going full tilt, I mean, almost every day. And I realized that, man, like I'm tired and I'm exhausted. You know, and I, I need to step away from the madness and the chaos so that I can feel normal again. And I do feel normal again. You know, I mean, man, I, when I was turning in my gear, I ran into uh, one of our LMPD, our patrol commander. Great guy. You know, and he he offered me a transfer out to the suburbs. And LMPD out in the 8th Division, you know, and I was like, you know, I turned it down. You know, he's like, well, why not? He's like, where you're going, it's the same place. I was like, I know it's almost the same area, but I need a change. You know, I need a change of scenery, man. I need, I need a new, I need new leadership to be under. And, and don't get me wrong, the 8th Division is nice, dude. It's freaking great. Officers that work out there, it's low stress. And, man, people, you know, they call it the land of milk and honey. It's a slower pace. 
and it's a different tax bracket and population of people. It's just different out there, but it's still the same environment politically and leadership wise. You know, we got here in Louisville, you know, the new civilian review boards where people that don't know a damn thing about policing are telling you what you should and should not have done on a run. You know, then you got the DOJ investigations here. And and I always feel like here, like I'm always having to watch over my shoulder for command. And yeah, but the lack of support from I hate to say the community, there's people that support the show, but there's a lot of lack of support from certain communities and then lack of support from city council, you know, lack of support from command. And man, and the thing, the truth is what I what it would take for me to have stated LMPD, what I wanted from them, they were not able or willing to give me. It just wasn't going to happen. You know, that's why I was just like, you know what? I'm not, you're going to ask me this, but you can't give me what I want. And that's what that was, you know, part of the reason why I decided to leave, man. And like I said, man, where I'm at now, man, the atmosphere, bro, the vibe is just different. And I'm really enjoying it, man. And the thing is, I can tell my command actually cares about me. And the, the best part is, man, I feel empowered and I feel motivated to be a cop again. You know, like I made a traffic stop the other day and I was just like, man, this feels good. And people where I'm at respect the badge, respect the profession. The people support us, man. So many thank yous. Not to say I didn't get those on LMPD, yo, but I'm getting a lot more of them. And man, it's it's a wonderful thing, man. It feels great to be appreciated. And like I said, you know, I've been going nonstop since 2010 and even more so since I came back in 2020 for the riots, man. And, you know, I've been gone for over a month and just the change in my psyche is just so much better, man. But I will tell you one thing I don't like. It's not that where I'm at. It's what I'm officers are saying about where I'm at and where I'm going. You know, I told you all they call it the land of milk and honey. And people have this thing for cops that work out in the county or in places that are nice and quiet, like Mayberry. Like they love to say, man, nothing ever happens down there. And to me, I hate that expression from cops, because when you put on that uniform, and that bulletproof vest and you go to work, I don't care where you work in this country. Crazy. And some unexplainable, crazy off the wall crap is going to find you. That one incident that you think would never happen to you is going to happen to you just because you're in a uniform. And people, I don't know, cops like to like say they like that term. Nothing ever happens out here. To me, that's the start of your own death in this profession. You getting killed. Every time I put my uniform on, I expect someone to try to kill me that day. I don't care where I'm at, where I'm going. If it's an old lady or grandma, I literally in the back of my mind expect someone to try to kill me. And I said, that's been the environment I've worked in for 10 years. Yo. So for me, it's just what I do, man. And I don't believe in this. Well, you're out there, you know, you're in the East End and man, you know, nothing's going to happen. It's going to be laid back and relaxed. Yo. I'm like, it's people out here, bro. And where you find people, you're going to find all types of people. You're going to find problems. And just because I work in a nicer, slower, quieter area now. That does not mean that chaos cannot come to my police car and come to me on patrol. I expect it. It's going to happen. I'd rather have that mindset. So when it does happen, I'm not caught off guard and surprised and sitting there bleeding. Look at the sky like this isn't supposed to happen out here. No, this is exactly supposed to happen out here. Now, where I work now, man, I'm in the middle of Louisville, pretty much, man, surrounded by a small city, man. And let me tell you all. It's a very small city, very nice, quiet city. But guess what? It's surrounded by chaos. It's still in Louisville. You can't let your guard down in Louisville. I mean, the crime. 
I mean, criminals travel. Criminals have cars, man. People, we have the city bus. People get on the city bus to go to these places to get away from where they are to you know do their dirty work because there's nothing where they are to still you know take people stuff from. So you know, I just I just hate that whole mentality that you know it's you know there's nothing happening out here. But you know, you anybody that's been in this profession knows you can go from a low stress Mayberry type style of policing. You know, having a good day, you know, rescuing cats out of trees to all of a sudden, oh, shit, we're in the Hollywood shootout type scenario. yo. And man, I'm not letting myself slip and fall into that. I'm just not. But the number one reason that I decided to leave LMPD was because I was becoming the cop that I said I never wanted to be. I remember being a young rookie officer sitting at roll call. 25 years old and just listening to these older guys bitch moan and complain about LMPD and how it was when they worked in the city or the county we did this and that you know y'all don't understand anything it's not supposed to be like this yo and and I slowly started to realize over the last few months that 10 or 12 years later I'm that guy that I didn't want to be I'm that guy that's dwelling on the past living on yesterday's glory of the good old days. Not just that, I'm sitting here hoping, wishing, and waiting for days to come back that are never coming back. The way it was back in the day is how it was then. That's not how it is now. You know, this department has moved on, and it's not what it used to be. It's just not. And I lived in the past so much at work, and I would talk to the new guys, and i constantly be like, well, when I started, this is what we did. And you know what? Like The Rock, it doesn't matter what you did when you started. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I got the experience from it, but yesterday has no effect and play on what we're doing today in policing. You know, especially, you know, as a young officer and now looking as a senior officer, I become I was becoming that guy. And I can only imagine what probably younger guys were saying. Like, yeah, Dex been around, but man, he always talks about how it used to be. Well, guess what, Dex? This ain't how it used to be. This ain't 2009. This ain't 2010. This is 2022 rolling into 2023. Politics reigns supreme. The police department is what it is, man. And I just couldn't accept LMPD in its current state and where it's headed. And it's either you're moving forward with this place or you're getting off the train. And I decided I didn't want to keep moving forward with this place because I couldn't accept the way it was going. You know, and, and let me take, you know, granted, there are some good positive changes that have come over the years to this place that needed to happen that are going in a good direction. Yo, but there's also a lot of stuff, a lot of decisions and stuff that has been made on this department that I just don't agree with and I can't stand behind. And that's when I realized hey, it's time for me to let go of the LMPD. I know it's time for me to let go of a young 26 year old officer Pitts that was a rookie having the time of his life in policing, you know, this job was everything. You know, it's time for me to let go of that image of myself, you know, like in what my perception of the department was then, because that's not what it is now, you know? So, and you know, the politics of today have started to get to me. You know, the changes started to get to me. And the one thing I always said that I would never do is I would never let the things that I could not control as a street officer impact me and how I did my job and my attitude. And I lied to myself and I've started to those things started to get to me and they started to alter the way I work. So, yeah, you know, it was a 
That was the biggest reason I decided to move on. And I had to take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, you're that guy, Dexter. And it was a hard pill to swallow, man. I'm, you know, older and man, time flies in this career. Y'all, let me tell you, it just seems like yesterday I was a rookie officer at the roll call table. But now I'm the senior officer. Well, one of the senior top senior guys at this, you know, in my division, everybody looks to you for answers and for your opinion and input, man. And it comes quick, you know. And I was that guy dwelling on the past, a past that ain't never coming back. So I knew it was time for me to dip and roll out, man, and start a new chapter. But I can't say this, at least. At least I I left on a high note. Man, my last shift on LMPD, I was helping my boy, Black French. Hopefully I get him on the show here in a couple weeks, yo. But, man, we were getting ready to get off. I was going on vacation the next day. He gets this call and Man, there's just he's outnumbered. There's like I think like maybe four or five young black males. And man, I get there and people are sprawled out in the yard, but there's no handcuffs on these people. And it's him and one other officer that we're outnumbered. And man, we're trying to figure out. I have no clue what's going on. People are asking questions. People up the block coming want to know why these young men are you know, prone out. And there's an officer fighting with to get somebody in handcuffs. And I have no clue what's going on. You know, so next thing you know, I get handcuffs out. We start putting handcuffs on people. And there's still just not a lot of officers. So we can't corral all these people, these five individuals. There's only three of us. And so, you know, a couple more officers roll up. But as he's investigating now, I hear my partner upstairs. You know, he yells, you know, he found a gun. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm talking to this young black guy. I look away. He's in handcuffs. This fool takes off running. Man, my old bad knees, sore groin, having ass. I always said I ain't running after nobody. I'm letting the new dudes do that. I always say that, but I got my pride, bro. I can't I can't let it slide, especially in handcuffs, bro. You can't run from me in handcuffs and my handcuffs. Bring me my hand. Those are my handcuffs, man. So homeboy takes off. and I chase him and I'm breathing and huffing on the radio. <sighs> radio. I got one running. Blackmail. Dreads. And, and we're in an area of town I know, but not too familiar with. Yo, and they're like, what's your location? And I'm like, I'm trying to breathe. I ain't trying to think about where I'm at right now. I got him in my sight, but I'm trying to catch my breath as I'm chasing this dude, man. We I chased this dude like three blocks. If he wouldn't have had handcuffs on, I ain't gonna lie. Brother would have been gone. He was fast, but thank God he couldn't swing them arms. But my old ass was right behind him. So I remember seeing, I lost him around the corner of this factory. And I come around the corner and I'm like, man, I'm bent over trying to catch my breath, but I'm still moving. And man, I hear rustling in the bushes and I look at this fence. This fool tried to jump a fence handcuffed, got hung up. His ass is out and he's laying like face first in the dirt and got all these leaves in his dreads. And I'm just like, man, I just grab him, snatch him up and pull him back across the fence. And I walk him back and I'm like the proudest moment in my career. It's like radio. No tones are going off. And I say, radio, I got him. (laughs) I got him. Boy, the last thing you want to do is lose a foot chase to a handcuffed man. Boy, we I recovered that one real quick. Yo, so now we get him, I walk him back, and this dude, man, that's why I'm so glad to be out of the hood. He's like, Man, I'm black, I ain't got no daddy. Man, I was like, bro, what the F does that got to do with anything? You know, and this is what he said to me as I'm walking him back to <laughs> to where we detained him at, yo. So, man, it was a, you know, that was my that was my final shift and my final run and final call. On Louisville Metro Police Department, yo. So, man, I always tell people, they, man, you probably going to come back. This is what I've been telling everybody. I will come back as the police chief. 
<laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, it's been a good run. I love Louisville Metro Police Department. It will always be my home. I have, you know, there's the bad things I could say. Yeah, but I'm not, man. I, I had a lot of good times, a lot of good memories, a lot of good friends. And they say it'd be different if I was going across the country again, but I'm not. I'm staying in, a, I'm staying in Kentucky. I'm staying in Louisville. I'm staying in Jefferson County. You know, so it's, you know, I'm in FTO field training right now, you know, and it's the transition ain't really been bad. But it's a few things different here and there, yo, but I'm freaking, I'm loving it so far. And, man, it was a good ride. I was proud to wear the Louisville Metro Police Officer Department uniform. I will always be proud to say I was an LMPD officer. I will never be shamed for wearing that uniform because I know I did right when I was in that uniform. And I know I helped people and I know I changed some lives. So, you know, I'm, go I'm leaving with my head held high. But I'm also leaving realizing that, man, it's just time for me to move on. And speaking of, you know, it's time to move on. I'm probably going to offend a lot of people with this next segment. Y'all been with me for 52 minutes. I got a little bit more to go. Stay with me, y'all. I'm probably going to make, like I said, I'm probably going to offend some of y'all when I say this. But here's what I want to say. Like everybody, I'm a President Trump guy. I like Trump. I voted for Trump. I'm all in on ultra MAGA. I'm an ultra MAGA. I'm an Uncle Tom MAGA guy. I know, I know. But my loyalty is not to President Trump. My loyalty is not to any sort of certain politician. My loyalty is to the Constitution of the United States of America and my fellow citizens. Now, with that said, there's a lot of people whose allegiance lies restricted with President Trump. If that's how you want to live your life, so be it. But if you want to be an American, that ain't how we do it here, man. One man does not supersede the Constitution or this country. And so with the midterms having just happened, man, there's been a lot of questions about who's running, you know, 2024. And everybody knows that Trump just made his announcement. But now there's beef within the Republican Party between President Trump and DeSantis and who's going to run. And people are saying, you know, Trump needs to get out of the way. Or some people are saying DeSantis needs to sit down. It's not his turn yet. They both, he, DeSantis is a grown man. If he want to take his turn, this is, he want to run for president, he can run for president. Talking about something, it ain't your turn. He don't need Trump permission to run for president. You know, and now I see this divide, you know, but as I'm looking at what's been going on in the country and looking at President Trump and listening to him, man, Trump was good for when he was here and what he did. I enjoyed him. I think everybody, even the ones that claim to hate him, nobody was hating them gas prices. Nobody was hating on the economy. Nobody was hating on being safe. Nobody was hating on, you know, Russia being held at bay and China and all this. Nobody was hating on all that. They were just hating on his personality. But now, man, after this past midterms, I think America is time for us to move on from Donald Trump. I really do. Boy, I can hear the clicks of being unfollowed right now. <laughs> and that's not to say that I don't like Trump, yo, but I think, like I say, I realized and looked in the mirror, I had to move on. And it's hard to realize that you need to move on. No, honestly, I think Trump needs to move on. You know, and I have my reasons why I think it's time for America to move on. One, I'm tired of old people controlling this country, man. I like Donald Trump. I think he's sharp in the head, sharp in the mind. But he's old, man. Dude's almost almost 80 years old, you know, just like Biden. Way healthier than Biden, way smarter than Biden. But I'm just, I, I'm tired of old people running the country. I really am. The Pelosi's and all these other people, man, all these super old people, bro, I am, I'm just done. I'm done with it, man. It's like, we need new blood. And then we march out more old people. Some people will be like old white people. I'm like, no, 
Because Maxine Waters' old black ass is still in it, too. And I'm tired of her ass, too. And she like, I don't care what color you are. I'm just tired of old people in general. We need new young flesh blood and leadership in politics. Because I'm tired of the old money. I'm tired of the old establishment, man. You know, and the other reason I think it's time to move on is because Trump is so polarizing. I mean, his personality is just super unlikable. Personally, I like him. I like the fact that he's a bit of a jerk and an asshole. I do. You have to be like that in politics and business. I was okay with it. But a lot of people in this country are snowflakes and they can't deal with the man on Twitter. They just can't. Me, I didn't mind. But that is what one thing I've come to learn over the last few years in America, man, is that great policies mean nothing in America if you don't have the personality to go with it. And that's unfortunate and that's a damn shame. Because Trump had great policies, but people couldn't stomach his personality. He was too brash. He was too much for him, man. And because of that, people found him so unlikable, they quote unquote elected Joe Biden. That's still being debated. You know, depends on who you are. I'm not part of the, uh, what is it, anonymous crowd. I'm not, or who, I forgot what they call them, man. The uh, the people that think, the Jewish space laser people. Yeah, yeah, QAnon. Yeah, I'm not a QAnon guy, yo, so I'm not really... You know, I'm not really going to dive deep into that because that is definitely not what I do or subscribe to. yo. But just looking and being reasonable and objective, man, I literally think it's time to move on. And man, as much as I like what Trump did, it's time to realize that is he really the best bet for America? I mean, against a lot of people. Yeah, it depends on who the Democrats are running. yo. But maybe it also depends on who's running in the primaries for president. On the Republican ticket, I just don't know if DeSantis is running. Honestly, I'm probably going to vote for DeSantis because he seems a bit more even headed and leveled. And, you know, and he's able to fight back without so much blowback, because I honestly believe that if President Trump ran for office again and Joe Biden decides to run for office again, which we can all hope and pray to God, looking at these gas prices, that that does not happen. We hope that President Joe Biden is somewhere in a retirement home within the next couple weeks or days, eating jello and getting sponge baths from nurses that he's sniffing their hair. But in his mind, he's imagining that they're 12 year old girls, yo. So, cause we know how the president rolls, how President Biden rolls, right? But yeah, you know, I just, man, I don't trust the American public to make the right choice. You know, and like I say, people are gonna try to debate that it was stolen. I mean, possibly, yeah, who knows? I, at this point, who knows, yo, but just, man, I just don't, I mean, look at Pennsylvania. Americans decided to choose John Featherman, Fetterman, who recently had a stroke and couldn't even talk and really perform during his debate. They put this Neanderthal in office over Dr. Oz. And, and let me and let me say this. You know, this is one I really like I said, I really started realizing in America that it is not about policies and politics. It is literally about fame and personality. Dr. Oz. One, I never really cared to watch the show The Doctors. I didn't care. But that's the best we had on the Republican ticket to roll out was Dr. Oz. That's it. That's who that's the guy. That's who we want. And why did he you know, get elected? And why was he running? Because fame and he has a face and popularity, man. But literally, that dude is nothing. There's nothing Republican about that guy. If you ask me, it's really not, man. And the fact that he lost to John Featherman, I don't know if that just speaks bad on Pennsylvania. I don't know what's gotten into y'all over there. 
or have y'all just never had the brains? I don't know. Not to not to crack down on y'all. Anybody's listening from Pennsylvania, your football team, the Eagles are doing fine this year. But you know, it's just I'm just baffled, man. And this and then just case in point, Herschel Walker versus you know I like Herschel Walker. You know he's a good football player, but is he necessarily the best choice to be a senator? Is that the best we had? Like, so what has he done, business or politics wise? Nothing. But it's the fact that, hey, he's famous and people know his name. So people are going to go vote. And I blame the Republicans for running these people that probably shouldn't be running. Now, I'm not considering call Herschel Walker idiot. I think that's, you know, I mean, people say he's stupid and dumb, can barely talk and form sense. But the man's been an athlete his whole life. And guess what? He's got more money than all of us. But is he really the man that I want running the office? I mean, yeah, I would take him over the other guy, the crazy black dude. But babe, babe, we just do this to ourselves, man. We keep putting these people up to be in office that ne- don't necessarily know what they're doing, don't necessarily represent us, but we choose them because we see their faces on TV. Politics has literally become a popularity contest, and that is why America is losing. You know, and if Trump runs again, like I said, I'd rather have see DeSantis on the ticket, but man, like I said, how, you know, it's just such a weird time in America, but. Man, how am I supposed to trust my fellow Americans to vote wisely and make it an informed decision when they vote? When you look at everything right now and how bad it is, the economy is tanking and crumbling. We are in a recession and have been in a recession. Don't let the Democrats tell you otherwise. You know, they change, try to change it, make it because it's the primaries, man. The elections coming up. We can't be in a recession. We're going to lose everything. You know, the gas prices are horrible. Bro, I filled up my tank today. Gas is almost back at $4. Funny how a couple weeks ago before the primaries, gas was down to like $3. But now it's over and, you know, everything that's happening, gas is back up to $3.94. Crime is out of control across this country. Everywhere I look, there's crime. Car thieves, you know, carjackings, murderers, shooting, stabbing. It's out of control right now, man. And the people are still crapping on the police. Yo, so it's like, man, this was a major election. You know, the Democrats have held the majority for the last two years. And there was all this talk about this red wave coming, man. And, um, and I really thought it was coming because I was like, regardless of what political party you identify with and are on, everybody's hurting right now in America in this economy. Our wallets are being tapped out by these high prices and gas. And crime, man, like we're being pushed to the limit. And I'm sitting there thinking there's no way that Americans are going to allow the Democrats to remain in power in both the House and the Senate. There's just no way. And lo and behold, guess what? The Republicans only take the House and not the Senate. And I'm just sitting here like, dude, if you losing money and being in these hard times is not enough to sway your vote. I don't know what it's going to take to sway your vote and make you vote otherwise. My God, like how divided are we as a country right now? And it just goes to show that people aren't paying attention to this stuff, that people are single issue voting on like abortion and gun rights and everything else. Nobody's looking at it. Everybody's just forming sides with who they identify with politically and just that's it. You know, just they're not considering anything else. They're just one, you know, one issue voters. You know, and that, I really honestly believe it was the abortion issue and women that came out in force to be like, you know, my vagina, my choice, which I'm not 100 percent against, but also 100 percent. I really don't care because it don't affect me. 
But, you know, it's, it's that much of a polarizing issue. The fact that people overlooked their wallets to vote. I don't know. I can't explain how to vote. Not, I, I'm confused, y'all. I'm, I'm confused just like everybody else, you know. So we were all sitting here ready for this red wave, man. And it was just a trickle. Yeah, we took the house. That's great, yo. But now nothing's ever going to get done because you're going to have the House and the Senate battling back and forward. And But the, on the good side is there was a red wave down in Florida. Freaking DeSantis killed it down in Florida. My God, this man, I think he won by like like double digits, man. He blew this dude out the water. I mean, everybody I know that lives in Florida is loving life. And that's freaking phenomenal. And the best part is, man. DeSantis turned Miami-Dade County a strictly blue Democrat safe haven, red for the first time in 20 years. Man, but let me tell you something. I think that people are over Trump and DeSantis is the man. I really think a lot of Americans have moved on, you know, from Trump. And everybody's looking to DeSantis as the next leader of the Republican Party. You know, and as much as I like Trump, there's qualities about him I don't like. And one of the things I did not like about him recently was the fact that all the people that he backed in this uh, current midterms, you know, he made a comment that said, if they win, I'll take responsibility and I'll, I'll take the win and the responsibility for it. But if they lose, that's on them. But to me, that's a sign of a bad leader and a man filled with the ego. The fact that you can take the wins, but not the losses. It's like Biden a couple months ago when, you know, uh, I guess it was his uh, his press secretary. And they said, so the president's responsible for the gas prices coming down, but not going up. So for President Trump to sit and say, you know, he's responsible for the wins, but not the losses. That tells me where his mind is at, that his mind is not focused on the country and the people. It's focused on himself and his ego. And that's why I say he's done good things. But, man, little things like that have pushed me away from where it's like, I love you, bro. But it's it's been good. It's been fun. But it's time for you to run away. Not, we don't need you running for that White House again. Like I said, I can still hear those clicks I'm following because, oh, my God, how dare you not be all in 100 percent on tr President Trump? Oh, you're not you're not a real believer. You're not a real Republican or conservative. It's called being reasonable, people. Like I say I'm loyal to the Constitution and the country and you all not President Trump, because as much as I like him, he ain't never did nothing for me. He ain't paying his mortgage on the first of the month. He ain't putting these boots on and going to work and policing for 10, 12 hours a day. So like I said, I like him, but I'm ready to move on, man. And then, you know, with the Republicans being, you know, owning the majority in the House now, saw something the other day about them opening up investigations into Biden's lap, Hunter Biden's laptop and the Biden family. As soon as I heard that, you know what I said? You know what's going to happen? Not a damn thing going to happen. Nothing. You know what? It's going to be a taxpayer funded hunt for something that nothing's going to come out of because we have seen the same song and dance time and time again in politics in America. They did it with Trump, false stories, even though this story is absolutely true because we know the, the laptop thing. But look what happened with Hillary Clinton and all the scams she's been involved in. What happened? Nothing. Nothing because, yes, you have Republicans, you have Democrats, but let's be honest, they are their own personal party of elites, and that's just what they do, bro. It's nothing's going to happen with the laptop. So while they're out there on TV blowing hot smoke in the air about what we're going to do and get justice and we're looking into the Biden family, I would bet somebody right now $100. By the, by the time the next election for president rolls around, nothing will have happened to Hunter Biden. 
nothing will ever happen to Joe Biden. Nothing. Nobody's going to jail. The investigation is not going to be nothing. That's just how it is, man. How many times have we seen this where something actually happened when there's proof that something happened and somebody went to jail or held accountable? Nah, nah it's not happening. So, man, don't get too excited up on the Republicans holding the house because literally it changes nothing. You know, but I will tell you this, man, even though the midterms were not what I wanted, there were a couple key people that lost that I was extremely happy they lost. First one, Robert O'Rourke. Y'all might know this cuck as Beto, but I ain't calling his white ass Beto because he ain't no Beto. That man came to Texas to grift and that man came to Texas to freaking pander to the Hispanic community and try to turn Texas blue from red. And Texas gave him the middle finger and said, leave. You're not welcome here. How many times has this guy ran for public office and freaking lost? Like, when is he going to get the message and notion that, Bro, nobody wants your flaccid self around here, man. Leave. And definitely going to Texas talking about something. We're coming for your AR-15s and trying to play tough guy in a, in a meeting. You know, we said, oh, you find it funny, motherfucker. Yeah, bro, trust. Nobody's buying it, man. So where is Beto going to end up next? I keep hearing people say Louisiana, but I can almost assure you that nobody in Louisiana wants his ass either. Nobody wants this guy, but he is stubborn for some odd reason, has not gotten the point. Now, maybe him and Stacey Abrams could get together and run something. I hope to God not. And my God, I'm so happy that she lost again. And I'm talking about the elections, not pounds, because she ain't trying. My Lord, she let, and she lost and she conceded this time. Oh, my God. Thank the Lord. You're like, Georgia, way to go, man. Way to go to stand your ground on that. I just hope with this uh, Herschel Walker and uh, Warnock race that we get kind of the same election. Warnock's a crazy nutcase. Herschel Walker is not the best, but I'll take a little Herschel. Run, Herschel, run over Mr. Warnock's American hate ass any day. And then here in Kentucky, Charles Booker. Oh, Mr. Booker. I am so glad he lost to Rand Paul because I saw this dude day in and day out on TV and on the media and social media, you know, just trying to show how evil and racist America was and white people are evil, but you know, then his whole campaign from the hood to the holler, you know, my name is Charles Booker. I'm your cousin. I'm your brother. Oh man. I'm so glad this fool lost me. And the, I think I talked about on the show, but why I dislike Charles Booker so much was because he posted this political campaign ad commercial with the noose around his neck, trying to, evoke emotions out of black people in trying to compare the sins of the past and make it seem like they're still alive today and how evil racist you know america is with white people and just looking at that commercial man it made me so sick because what are you running on politically and policy wise nothing because if you were if you had actual ideals you wouldn't have to tie a noose around your neck and make it seem like you're about to get hung from a tree Man, so that commercial disgusted me. But the moment I saw that, I said, you know what? I hope this fool loses, you know, by double the margin, man. And thank God he lost. But, man, what's even worse and funny about that is the fact that I snapped. I took a screenshot of that picture of him with the noose around his neck. And I shared it on social media after I found out he lost. And I said, you know, I'm glad that Charles Booker lost because somebody that would take a picture like this is trying to stir emotions in you and evoke a response 
out of you without thinking. You're not thinking about the policies. You're just thinking about the emotion behind this noose on this black guy's neck. So I post a picture on Instagram. And the next thing you know, I get flagged and I say, you know, you know, this uh, material offensive and it got taken down. And not just that, I guess Instagram really cares about me because they sent me links to get mental health because they said, it looks like you're struggling and we want to help you. They think I was trying to commit suicide, but I got news for you, Instagram. You got the wrong Negro. Instagram is clearly racist because they think all black people look alike. I look nothing like Charles Booker. How the hell did they figure that that was me and they sent me some mental health freaking uh, <laughs> some mental health locations to go get help? My God, Instagram. My God. Damn, that's racist, man. They think all black people really do look alike. That's a shame, man. And aren't they supposed to be the ones that are against all that? I probably should have wrote and complained about it, but I ain't I ain't dealing with Instagram like that. So, you know, the the midterms are kind of come to an end. But man, the thing with this midterms is. I don't know what to believe anymore and I don't know who to trust or where to get my news from on what's actual and what's going on in relation to politics because everything's got a slant and everybody's got a side. Everybody's got a story. Yo. But man, seeing what happened in Arizona with 30 percent of the voting machines going down and then there's all this stuff going on, this controversy. The, uh, the Democrat candidate that was running against Carrie Lake was apparently over the ballot counting. And, you know, and it's just like, man. All of this stuff that happened seems so shady. And man, who are you supposed to believe? Because I can believe there's two things when I look at Arizona and Nevada that I'm looking at. Either people are really cheating and trying to steal the election or the fact that liberals, bleeding heart, blue Democrat liberals and leftists are fleeing from California to Nevada and especially Arizona and Maricopa County and that they are turning the state blue from red. And that's very believable and plausible. And so my thing is, which is true? Are they stealing the election or are people just flocking from California to Arizona because they don't like these policies that are in California, but yet they're going to come to Arizona and vote for those same policies that destroyed where they lived in California. You know, so it's just like, man, I don't know which is true. I'm sure they're both probably true in some degree. I mean, at this point, man, how do we believe anything coming from the people running the, the show there? I don't know. And I mean, the fact that it's been how many days since the midterms and they're still counting. That's sketchy in itself. It's just like during the presidential election when they, you know, they stopped counting ballots at like 11 o'clock at night. And the next thing you know, Trump was ahead and you go to sleep and wake up. Biden's president. I got questions. I got trust issues, man. And that's why I say I don't know who or what to believe anymore. I really don't. And that's why I'm just so confused. And I'm just like, man, I I'm not a political guy. I try to stay away from politics because it's so convoluted. And I think all politicians are literally the same group and bunch of people. I really do. I shouldn't make a monolith out of people and say that they're all like that. But I've not seen anything otherwise to indicate other. It's just like the swamp is going to be the swamp. And then on top of that, you know, I see this FTX scandal, this cryptocurrency thing that's coming about where this guy was taking all these people's money. Like he's the he's the Bernie Madoff of crypto, this guy. And he's dumping money into all these, you know, the political campaigns for the Democrats. And apparently he's done some for the Republicans. And I'm just like, man, I don't know what to believe anymore. You know, I've looked into that whole situation with FTX. Something shady is definitely going on. And people are accusing them of smuggling 
money to the Democrats and Ukraine, you know, using it to flush and clean money. And, you know, I believe it. But at the same time, is some of it probably overblown? Probably. So I just don't know what to believe. Just like many, everybody else, you know, everybody wants to believe that there's these hard truths out there. And dude, the line between truth and lies is so blurred right now in this country, man. And it is so hard to almost pick a side because I just don't trust anybody or any side, man. And our government institutions are so corrupted, no matter who they're run by, Republicans or Democrats, because they're all part of the same swamp. And I, like many of you, have lost faith and trust in our institutions, man, because of all the shady crap going on. And because of that, no one will ever believe or trust the result of an election from here on out. Every election from here on out will be contested and will not appear to be a legitimate in the eyes of our citizens, man. And legitimacy is so important, especially when it comes to running a country or running an organization and being in politics or running an office. You have to have legitimacy. You know, that's one thing that LMPD always talked about and trained us on when I was in in-service training was, are we legitimate? You know, that, I mean, it's preached day in and day out, year after year. You know, LMPD would always ask us, how do we serve the people who view us and how do they see us as legit? How do we get them to trust us and see us as that? And that's hard to do, you know what I mean? And, and that's hard to do when you have scandal after scandal, cover up after cover up, and just all this craziness that encircles and engulfs everything in our country. You know, it, I mean, from the lowest level of local government to the highest level, there's just corruption afoot. Republican, Democrat, I don't care. I think we can all agree that something don't smell right. It just don't. If you're saying it don't smell right, it's because it's probably working in your favor. But, but, but if it turns, if it's on the other foot, you'll say something stinks and it don't smell right. We are both smelling the same pile of BS, regardless of what side of the aisle we're on. So why don't we just come together over that and fix this thing? But because we're so polarized and divided between left and right, red and blue, yeah, we can't see that we're all being played for fools right now. And I think one of the thing, biggest things we need to do in this country is we need to get money out of the government and politics. Man, and I think there should be a cap on how much money people can donate to politicians and campaigns, you know, and how much they can and how much they can receive in funds. Because what happens is you have these corporations, multi-trillion billion dollar corporations that control everything. It's the 1% or some people might call it the new world order, but they have the money to buy the influence and policies that they want while the rest of us are suffering under these horrible policies that, you know, because they, you know, these people are so detached from our lives. They live these lavish lives and make these policies to benefit themselves where they leave out the rest of the 99% of us. You know, so the moment we can get money out of government and the politicians, the better this place will be off sooner. But that's not going to happen because the people in power right now, Republicans and Democrats, guess what? They stuff in their pockets with all the money they're getting from the uh, from the uh, stock market, from insider trading. And guess who's suffering and picking up the tab, as always, the American people. So, you know, we are sitting here as the citizens in America divided while, you know, the people, the 500 something people that run this country, you know, they're making all these policies that are affecting us. But, you know, they're not holding each other accountable. We're expecting people making a ton of money that we have put into power to hold themselves accountable and police themselves. And that's never going to happen. So, you know, when we have things that happen on police departments and say, 
you know, one of the comments you always see on Facebook about police departments is we investigated ourselves and found no wrongdoing. You know, but that is one of the biggest things we have going against us in this profession and in America right now is just the lack of accountability, man. So <sighs> accountability is a dirty word in this country. You know, being there is nothing to be gained in accountability, but some odd reason in America, there's everything to be gained now with the V word victim. And that's a word I don't like and don't play into because I am not a victim. Like I told you all earlier, I want I'm on a smaller police department now because I want more accountability for the people around me and myself. I want my command to be accountable to me and me to be accountable to my command. And, you know, it's like I said, accountability, personal responsibility, such dirty words. But if there is one place we can look to right now in this country to see what good accountability looks like, I would like to direct your attention to the Placer County Sheriff's Office in California. This surf, this uh, article surfaced the other day in my news feed, and it, I'm not going to say it shocked me because I've been in policing a long time now, very long time, and I'm not surprised by some of the things that I hear and see that law enforcement officers do. I'm just not. But, man, it, uh, the article was talking about this deputy. His name was Alejandro Hughes, and apparently he was arrested the other night on the suspicion of driving under the influence of alcohol while on duty. And he has since been fired. So apparently, Deputy Hughes was responding to a call for service. And when there were already deputies on scene, when they made contact with him, they were automatically suspicious that this newly hired deputy on still on probation was under the influence of alcohol. And so, you know, people talk about the thin blue wall of silence and we take care of our own, you know, but Back in the day, I guarantee you, back in the day, they probably would have been like, yeah, bro, hey, man, just go lay down in the back of your truck. We got this rest of the ship. But 2022, no, sir, that is not the way we do things now. The thin blue wall of silence, man, is it's long gone. It's dead. And it died with cameras. It's gone. It's, you know, there's other people that still try to work like that. Yeah, but most of the people, boys and girls in blue, I know, no. Because, man, there's cameras everywhere, and if you lie, you will be found out. And I was so impressed by the Placer County Sheriff's deputies, but as soon as they found out that this dude was under the influence of alcohol, in uniform, quote-unquote, serving the public, not serving the public, but he was freaking a danger to the public, they instantly called the California Highway Patrol, and troopers responded and gave this dude a field sobriety test and a breathalyzer test while in uniform on scene. This dude blew a .13. The legal limit is .08, people. He's .13. He's .4 points above the legal limit. My God. And as soon as that happens, they placed his ass under arrest. And he was instantly fired, man. Dude, I cannot tell you how happy I was when I read that article. That we've come a long way in policing to where accountability is major. And especially in th this day and age, like there's like, all these new policies keep coming out, but more and more policies are surfacing that are saying if you see an officer doing something illegal or violating somebody's rights and you don't step in to intervene, you are just as guilty. And honestly, I agree with that policy. I believe in that policy, although it can get a little convoluted sometimes because what an officer might deem reasonable and necessary in their view as an individual officer in a certain situation there might be an officer that sees what that officer is doing and he might see it as not reasonable.
then you have who's right. Whose point of view is right? Can they both be right? Can they both be wrong? And so I say I, I like the policy because I feel like it's in good spirit. But I feel like in real life, it's hard to apply because different officers, different perspectives, man. But this was here was without a doubt, a hundred percent the right freaking call to make in reference to this incident, man. The fact that they held this dude accountable instantly, man, that tells me that that's a good place to work and a good place to be. And that, you know, you're not going to come there and put the badge and the department's reputation at risk and help them and, and cause them to lose their legitimacy because you're an idiot and you can't go, you know, a couple hours without drinking and you don't have the discipline or integrity to care about your oath that you swore to the public to not drink alcohol and hop behind the wheel in your police uniform and drive. That's despicable. This guy was wrong, but the Placer County Sheriff's Office made it right for not just themselves, but the people in that community that they swore to serve. So shout out to those guys for doing that. Thank you, because we have enough problems in this profession and we have enough problem children. Most of us are good dudes. Ninety nine percent of us are good dudes. But that one percent boy, that one percent is the one percent that the media and the far leftists like to latch onto and paint, use it and take a bad, bad apple and paint the rest of us as the same as that individual. And that is not the case, man. I stand with my brothers and sisters in the thin blue line always. Even when it's questionable, I'll stand. But sometimes there are just some things that are black and white. You know, there's a lot of gray in this job, man. And I hate the Monday morning quarterback some incidents because I know what it's like to be there, to be in the moment. I know what it's like when your emotions are running high and you got to make that split second decision. I don't know how many times I've done it. My God, in 12 years, I... I, there's no way I could count. So I give officers mercy and grace as much as possible. But at the same time, I hold us to a higher standard. I hold law enforcement officers to the highest of standards because I want to be held to that standard because we, man, we are the bearers of the law. We hold people's life and liberty and freedom in our hands daily. So, yes, we have to be held to a higher standard because we yield so much power to change somebody's life and take everything away from them that this country promised them. So we have to yield that sort of justice, man. We have to wield that thing justly and right. And we have to get it right. Do we make mistakes? Yes, we can make mistakes. But going out of our way to do the wrong thing is something I cannot and will never tolerate in this profession. And when it comes to accountability and policing themselves, there is one place that I can think of that is not doing it right currently. And that is the Hardin County Sheriff's Department. For those that don't know, Hardin County is my hometown, Hardin County, Kentucky, Fort Knox, Radcliffe, man. So the other night I was at home and I received an anonymous text message with the video from a friend of a friend that knows a guy that knows a guy whose uncle's mother's brother's sister that fought in Iraq, whose brother's cousin walks their dog that goes to the laundromat with this nice lady, her friend he told me in a message. <laughs> Got to create that separation, man. I can't, like, I can't give up my sources. So I get an, get an anonymous message from this person in a video, and he says, Old Krusty Johnson. I was like, I click on the video, 
And it's a video of a incident from a traffic stop in Kentucky. I believe it was in Hardin County in 2021. And it's two Hardin County Sheriff's deputies and a Kentucky State Trooper absolutely beating the brakes off this white guy on a traffic stop. And so I watched the video multiple times, man. And and so I start talking to the person that sent me the message. And he was like, I tried to warn y'all about this guy, man. I tried to warn y'all. So the individual he's talking about was an officer that we had just hired at the Louisville Metro Police Department back in June. He was a lateral from the uh, Hardin County Sheriff's Office and became an officer with the Louisville Metro Police Department. So we were hurting for numbers and the department that decided to open up hiring. This is the first lateral class we've had in my God, like 15, 20 years, maybe. So he's telling me about this guy. He's a problem man. y'all don't need to hire this guy. And I'm like, bro, look, I'm not the one in charge here. I'm, I'm just a street officer. It ain't got nothing to do with me. I don't what I who I say should and should not get hired does not have that much effect. It has had some impact in the past before. Thank God. But for the most part, man, they don't care what I think. And they're going to hire whoever it is that they want to hire. So, man, I'm watching this video of this beat down. And, man, I'm going to tell you now what I'm about to say about this incident and video is probably going to be controversial to a lot of officers. Some officers are going to disagree with me. And I can understand and see why, you know, it's, it's one of those I've been in the situation and I know what it's like. And that's why I say, I try to give officers grace when, you know, dealing with these types of incidents, because I've been there, I've been that, but also, like I said, I hold us to a higher standard. So this beating starts making this, like I said, it's a, it's a traffic stop and an ass whooping that was caught on dash cam from over a year ago. So these three deputies or these two deputies and his trooper thumped the thumped this dude for everything that had happened prior. And so apparently from what I'm told, I said, I don't know all the facts and details. I'm just telling you what I believe and know and perceive from what I've been told is that there was never an investigation into it really. Well, or there was a quote unquote investigation. I was told that there were people were told that there was no video of the incident that the Hardin County Sheriff said that you know everything was investigated and they if they found that the officers were justified in their use of force so okay you know then they sweep it under the rug the individual that got arrested from that incident no he's doing like seven years and i'm gonna get ready to read out to you all all the charges but so i just kind of want to paint everything the picture of this incident with you all from the hardin county sheriff's facebook page of the so he made a post about it because this thing is catching fire right now. And I can only imagine if the guy that they asked a whoop was black, how much worse it would be. So this is directly from the Hardin County Sheriff's Office Facebook page. On February 5th, 2021, Kentucky, Kentucky State Police attempted a traffic stop on Mr. Tyler. When the trooper activated his emergency equipment, Mr. Tyler fled. At the request of Kentucky State Police, Hardin County Sheriff's Office deputies responded to assist. After a lengthy pursuit through four cities, Mr. Tyler was stopped on US 31W in West Point, Kentucky. That's just West Point. That's just uh, I'll say just south of Hard, uh, uh, Jefferson County, just south of Louisville, like a couple miles. So it says upon exiting the vehicle, Mr. Tyler was in possession of a knife. When Mr. Tyler was forced to the ground, the suspect had his arms and weapon under him, and he refused to comply with the officer's command to give them his hands. 
officers only use the amount of force necessary to gain compliance. This was a Kentucky State Police case and videotape. At no time has the Hardin County Sheriff's Office been contacted by anyone representing the subject, the suspect. Subsequently, on October 27, 2022, Mr. Tyler pled guilty to all charges and was sentenced to seven years to serve. The following is a list of charges and warrants Mr. Tyler had at the time of his arrest. Char his charges were wanton endangerment, first degree on police officer, three counts. Criminal mischief, second degree, one count. Fleeing and evading police, first degree, one count. Driving under the influence of alcohol, aggravated, one count. Resisting arrest, one count. Operating on a suspended operator's license, one count. And at the time, he had active warrants for a burglary, second degree, which is a felony. Intimidating a participant in a legal process, which is a felony. I'll explain that one to you all. So say you get into a altercation with your wife and she's like, fuck you, I'm calling the police. You, you dead, I'm calling the police. And she picks up the phone to call the police and you take the phone out of her hand and you break it. That there is intimidating a participant in the legal process. Assault, fourth degree domestic violence with minor injury, misdemeanor. Unlawful imprisonment, first degree felony. Persistent PFO, persistent felony offender. He's committed multiple felonies time and time again. He also had an, and then he also had possession of a controlled substance, first degree for heroin, possession of drug paraphernalia, misdemeanor, tampering with physical evidence, another warrant, uh, the same charges again for the drug charges, and then a probation violation offense, and he was a fugitive from justice because he had violated the terms of his probation. And so I also heard that during the pursuit, this individual apparently rammed a couple of officers' cars. I, that's what I heard. I can't confirm or deny that. That's just what I heard. Yo. So, so I'm going to paint the picture for you all of this video. And I also actually I will drop the link to the video in the show notes in the description. So if you all want to see it, go ahead. But I'm going to try to paint a picture of the incident with you for my with my word. So you see the car driving and starts to his uh, the suspect, Mr. Tyler's car starts to pull off on the side of the road and stop. His door opens up and he comes out of the car He's got both hands in the air and the officer in question that was just recently fired from the Metro Police Department, which I'm not going to say his name on the show. If you want to know it, go look it up yourself. I'll post a link for you. <laughs> so, you know, the, you can hear the officer screaming, show me your hands, show me your fucking hands. So Mr. Tyler, the suspect's out of the car and he's on his knees with his hands in the air and he's still sitting next to his car, the driver's side door next to the seat but he's on the ground on his knees. And as his hands are in the air, a object falls out from the bottom of his shirt, of his coat. It's a knife. And so the knife is on the ground in front of him. And so officers, the officer in question approaches him, grabs him by the arm and drags him away from the car, which was the smart thing to do. But the actual real smart thing to have done at that point in time was do a felony traffic stop. I'll get to that in a little bit. I'm going to circle back to that, but what they did, they approached him, dragged him away from the car and get on top of him. So as the officer, the deputy is on top of him, you know, Mr. Tyler's arms are up under him. And so he's saying, give me your hands, give me your hands. He doesn't give him his hands. And so the officer starts delivering blows to his head and his face with his with his hands, with his fist. And so while he's there, you got the other two deputies and the trooper that are addressing the possible threat in the car that Mr. Tyler was in because they don't know if he was in there by himself or with somebody else. So they clear the car. Next thing you know, the other deputy comes around and he just starts 
waylaying on Mr. Tyler as he's laying on the ground with his flashlight. Man, they start beating the ever-loving hell out of him. And so it, you can see he's on the ground, and it's not looking like Mr. Tyler is actually reaching for anything from my perspective. It looked like he's trying to curl up and protect himself from the blows that he's getting from the officer. And if he was a smart man, he would have been like, shit, let me put my hands behind my back. But if you ask me from reading his rap sheet, Mr. Tyler seems like a freaking moron. I'm not going to sit here and defend this guy and what he did. I'm just not. So they're delivering him blows. I mean, they're tearing this dude a new one. And then the trooper leaves from the car after the car is clear, comes around. And this is a big boy, man. This dude is stout, man. This dude looks like he could have been a linebacker in the NFL. He comes over and starts dropping knees on this dude. You know, and they just start pummeling this guy, pummeling this guy. And it looks bad. It looks horrible. And it is horrible. <laughs> and so they eventually get his hands behind his back. And so they're beating him still while his hands are behind his back, but he's not in handcuffs. But so... The, the deputy in question that just got fired puts the handcuffs on him. The beating stops. It's over, you know, and they put him in the car. And they take him to jail. And so the question is, man, was this justified? And like I said, people are going to hear this and disagree with me. Some people are going to be like, you're a freaking idiot. You don't know. I weren't, you weren't there. I wasn't there. But like I say, I've been in similar situations. And I'm going to sit here and tell you. That ass whooping was brutal, rough, and excessive. It was not necessary, in my opinion. You can disagree with my opinion. You can argue with me all day. And for me, I just it was not it was overkill. And I understand, you know, like somebody said he was reaching. I've been there, bro. I've been there. I know what it's like to have somebody reaching. I'm on video during the 2020 riots and protests beating the mess out of somebody with, you know, that they got their hands under them. But this circumstances were completely different. My guy actually had a gun I was trying to get to an actual gun. I think it, I even have the video posted on my link on my uh, Instagram page at I am pits one. <laughs> so but they were saying that this guy had the knife. And if you look at the video, the knife fell out in front of him. Personally, I don't know if the officers were able to see the knife because it's nighttime. It's dark. But man, when they drag him away from the car, the knife is on the ground and it gets caught up under his knee. And I don't honestly personally don't think he's reaching for the knife. What the officer's perception was at that point in time with the knife, I don't know. He'll have to speak for himself on that, yo. But man, and I understand, you know, how I was trained was, you know, pain compliance back in 29, 2009, 2010, you whoop somebody's ass until they give you their hands. That is how I was taught. But I also know that just because that's how I was taught. I also know that just because I can do that does not mean that I should do that. And man, the beating that this man took was brutal and completely excessive, man. I understand that the guy was not giving you his hands, but looking at that whole situation, man, that was pure emotion. That was pure anger. That was officers, law enforcement officers, unable to control and tamper and temper their emotions. That was them being mad and upset that this dude ran from them. He chased them through multiple cities and did all this crap, and they took it out on him. They whooped his ass, and I don't think that they had to. Like I said, there's probably going to be some old-school cops on here that listen to this and say, man, you're wrong. You know, you know, he dude shouldn't have been an idiot, and the dude was an idiot. But one thing we cannot do is, which I think the Hardin County Sheriff, Sheriff is doing is, 
He is trying to justify the ass whooping of this guy by all the listing, all the charges in the warrants that this guy had. And complete, like I said, I'm not sticking up for Mr. Tyler at all, period, because he's a scumbag in my mind. I don't know him personally. I'm just going off his record thus far. The man had his hands in the air and was surrendering. He was not wanting to fight. If he would have got out the car and took up a bladed stance and balled his fist up, and I'd be like, hey, have at it, so be it, bro. You want to go? We're going to go. But that was not what happened with this individual. This man's hands were in the air, and they pummeled him. And he's like, no, he wouldn't give them his hands. That's because he couldn't, because when you're getting punched, getting struck, you're going to curl up and ball up. And you're not going to give people your hands. Now, if he had, like I say, been a bit of smart guy, probably would have gave him his hands for the get-go and followed instructions. Well, he actually, well, he did follow instructions. Show me your hands, and he showed them his hands. He was compliant. And the ass-whooping that they put on him, man, it was bad and it was brutal. And from what I heard also is that... The fact that his booking picture was so bad from the beating that he took that they took a picture of him a couple days later to make and put that one up to where as it was, as it was his actual booking photo to make it look like the beating was not so bad because the initial photo was awful. I mean, they turned this dude's face to hamburger meat. You know, some people are like, he deserved it. He deserved it. Did he deserve it? Probably. Yeah. Emotionally, yeah, he deserved it, but... As police officers, we are not here to give people what they deserve. We are here to give people justice and we are here to be fair and just. And sometimes you need to whoop somebody's ass and sometimes you just don't. And just because you can and you have the authority to do so does not mean that you should. And I feel like these officers and these the, the, the deputies and that trooper, they did not exercise restraint or good discretion. I just don't see the need to beat somebody like that. Like I said, that's me Monday morning quarterbacking. Like I said, I've been in that situation, but man, I, there's just something about that video, man. I just, it, it, it's, it's not right. It's not right. And like I said, you have to take the totality of the circumstance into it and all, but man, the man was surrendering and had his hands up as soon as it was over. And yeah, can people change their mind once you go hands on? And then they decide, you know, I want to fight. Yeah, of course. Of course they can. But I just I cannot stand behind that video and say I support these officers and say that what they did was right. Maybe in their mind, they feel justified. Maybe at that point in time with their emotions running so high, they think that was the only option they had. But the truth is they had so many more options. And this is why training in this profession is so important. I cannot tell you. How many times I've been a part of it where officers dogpile a car. So, man, the most dangerous thing officers do is in high speed chases after armed dangerous suspects. But officers love to charge a freaking car. And the truth is, that is the most dangerous thing you are doing because you are leaving your car. You're leaving cover and you're running across out in the open towards a car where you don't know who's in that car, how many people and how many weapons they got. They might have bombs, guns. You don't know. And you're running up to this car full of emotion and that thinking. You're not making a tactical approach to this car. Putting yourself and your life in danger for what? And because if they start shooting, you're dead. I mean, so what police departments have gotten away from is to try to uh, train officers to do a felony traffic stop. So instead of cars 
and officers swarming this one car. Then you got crossfire. You got officers on the left side pointing their guns at the officers on the right side. You got crossfire everywhere. So instead of doing that, officers now do tra felony traffic stops where it's like two cars. You have the suspect car in front of you. You have a police car behind the suspect car, one on the left, one on the right. And then you have one officer on the microphone yelling commands to the individuals in the car to cut the car off, roll down your window, throw out the keys with your left hand, open up the door. Now step out of the car with your both hands in the air. While he's on the microphone, somebody's got lethal cover on that guy in that car in case he comes out of that car with a gun. So you call that individual back to your walk back to me, you know, roll your shirt up, spin around in a circle, get on your knees, whatever it is that you want to do. But, but you have that person walk back to you to where you're in a safe area. You're not putting yourself in danger. And then you handcuff and detain that person. Then you ask that person, is there anybody else in that car, man? Is there anybody else? You know, do we need to be worried? No. So then after you have him detained, you know, you call, you know, you call the other people out the car to make sure there's nobody else in there. And then after that, you approach the car in a tactical line formation. And, you know, you come up to the car and you clear the car to, view, to ensure that there's nobody else in there. See, when you do that, you take the liability out of policing and you take the chances of you having to whoop somebody's ass justly or unjust out of play because you are smart in your approach. These officers were not smart in their approach. This was a tactical nightmare. It kind of reminds me of the uh, Tamar Rice shooting and killing in, uh, in Ohio, man, where the officers did not use any sort of tactical approach. They just rolled up, saw a young black kid with a gun and shot and killed him. And I'm not saying they shot him and killed him because he's black. I'm just saying if they maybe made a different approach, Tamir Rice probably still be alive. And like I said, that's just ugly but justified. And like I said, I've been one of those guys when I was a young rookie officer, man, full of adrenaline and this car just crashed and you've been chasing it and you all just run up to the car. Everybody, show me your fucking hands. Show me your fucking hands. You got 20 guys screaming at one dude and, and next, you know, you're breaking windows and you're dragging this guy out and everybody's in there trying to get this guy out the car and everybody's getting their licks and all this, bro. It's chaos and madness, man. And police departments cannot function like that anymore, man. And when I came on, you know what? That was the norm and that was what was done. And like I said, personally, I've never done it because I've always been the type to where if I'm putting my hands on you and I have to hurt you, I am doing it for a justified reason, man. Point blank, period. I've never, like I said, I've never put my hands on nobody that I didn't have to. If I've done it, it's always been justified in my mind where I have to, not because I wanted to. Because if I didn't do it to you, you're going to do it to me and hurt me or somebody else or possibly kill me. I don't I hate hurting people. Even when I justly have to whoop somebody's butt in this profession, it hurts my heart, man, because I don't like hurting people. I did not take this job to hurt people. I took this job because I wanted to help people. And man, just watching that video, dude, it just like I said, even though I think that guy is a scumbag, man, some people say he deserved it. I don't. You know, is he an idiot? Absolutely. But being an idiot does not mean that you deserve to get your face kicked and punched in. You know, and then, of course, I will address the news as saying, you know, he was handcuffed and they beat him. He was not handcuffed at the time. As soon as those handcuffs went on, they stopped the they stopped beating him. They did. So I will give them that. But, man, I just can't support that video and those officers and their actions. And I say that might cause me to lose some followers. That's fine. So be it. I'm standing on that, man. I just think it was unnecessary. There's so much many things could have been done better to pre prevent it from that. 
you know, and then make it even worse. You know, we hired that guy in June and I worked with him for a bit in the first division. I didn't work with him directly, but, you know, I've been warned about him from people I know from Harden County and me. I'm the type, man. If I hear bad stuff about you, guess what? I'm not going to judge you because I don't know you. I haven't worked with you. So I'm going to give you a chance to prove to me who you are. You know, my buddy, Black French, he's going to come on the show and he's going to talk to y'all. But I heard stuff about him when I first met him. They were like, he don't like, you know, white people. And man, he wants only black trainers. And I confronted him about, I was like, bro, is this stuff I heard about you true, correct? He's like, nah. And man, that's the best dude I know. And I know that all the stuff that I heard about him was a lie. I try to give everybody a fresh chance and a fresh start. You prove yourself to me that you're worthy of this uniform, that I can trust you when I work with you. And what makes it even worse for me, man, is this. I feel like the Hardin County Sheriff, Mr. Uh, I'm not going to say his name. I said, you want to know it? I ain't here to drop names. You look him up. But, man, I feel like he was trying to justify the beating that his officers gave this guy. Because he's, you know, he's, I think, you no, know, when it comes to the thin blue wall of silence, I believe that he's all about it. Because I'm not a sheriff there or a deputy there. But I have buddies that have been there and I've heard some of the stories. And I'm like, my God. You know, and I was so conflicted about talking about this on the podcast because I was like, man, I don't want to look like a turncoat. I don't want to look like I'm not a real cop. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to come off like I've gotten softer, you know, like I don't know real police work. But let me tell you, real police work is not having to whoop somebody's ass. Real police work is having the patience to know that I can beat you up if I need to. But I'm going to do things this way tactically in the right way and take my time so I don't have to put hands on you. Like I said, there is a time and place in everything for policing. There's a time and place for an ass whooping. There's a time and place for hugging people. There's a time and place to dance on TikTok. There's a time and place to do certain things in police. There just is. But this beating to me was not the time and place. And I've been on long enough to say I know what it looks like when cops are running on prayer, adrenaline, and emotion. And they are completely checked out. And I think these guys were completely checked out. And that's just my personal opinion. Hey, if you see the video and you disagree with it, feel free to drop me an email at IamPits at Yahoo.com and tell me why. You know, but, and the thing is, all the comments I'm seeing from people that are like, he got what he deserved. It's all older officers that have been on for around 20 plus years, maybe 15, 20 plus, man. You know, it, initially, you know, when I was a younger officer, I would have thought the same thing, man. Because I was full of piss and vinegar. You run for me, bro. That's what you get. You know, and man, but that's just not, like I said, that's never really been who I am. And that's not what I want to be. That's not, that's not the image of the profession I want people to see. You know, that's just not, man, everything these days is about optics, bro. Everything. No matter what you do in this profession, now, it is about what does it look like. Nobody cares if it was justified or not. It's all about what it looks like. And I do my best to make things look good because I know that's what matters because the general public don't care. No, they don't. The general public does not know the use of force continuum. They don't care. All they see is officers whooping somebody's butt and they're thinking, that's oh my God, that's excessive. That's unnecessary, not reasonable. And man, the whole reasonableness standard, it man, some people, what I view reasonable, somebody else is not going to view reasonable. That's why I said earlier that. My perspective versus their perspective in that time, it's going to be different. But from the outside looking in, I can judge and make a judgment and say because I've been in similar situations. So I can hold you accountable and judge you because I've been in that same situation. 
As an officer, that's my duty to the public. That's my duty to the profession and the badge to hold you accountable when I think you've done something wrong. That's part of my job in this profession is to police others. We have to police each other. And like I say the days of Rodney King beatings in this profession are done and over, man. The days of beating people senseless until they comply, it's over. That's what I was telling y'all at the start of the podcast. The LMPD I know, it's gone. That used to be the way things were done. That's not the way things are done anymore. Do I agree with it? Not necessarily 100%. I'm torn on it. Yes, parts of it I agree, parts of it I don't agree. agree. But I also know that that's just not the way we operate no more, man. It's not. That used to be tried and true. This is what we do. And now, you know, it's 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 not the way we can't do that. We have to be better. We have to be smarter. We have to train more. And man, it, oh man. And it just, and I hate it for LMPD because, you know, when I, I saw the article today that they fired that officer because he's still in his probationary period here. And then people are saying he's going to have a lawsuit because he was cleared from this incident. I'm like, yeah, but he's still on probation. And when you're on probation, they don't have to have a cause to fire you. They just get rid of you. They can just get rid of you. And they did. You know, and now this officer, this deputy that's now fired from us, well, excuse me, this officer that was a deputy, no, he was fired from us recently. Now the FBI is investigating. And I, this is what I hate is that, you know, you shouldn't have to hesitate as an officer, as a cop to do your job. You shouldn't. But that's where we are now because incidents like this, man, it brings in the question, should I beat this person or should I not? And if I do beat this person, am I going to go to jail for doing so? Yeah, but that shouldn't be the case. And honestly, from my view of that video, I just feel like they were angry and upset and they beat that dude just because they could. The knife fell down and I, because I don't know if they saw that knife, but I don't believe that beating was right. And I'm saying that on the behalf of that individual because what, no matter what he did before, it don't matter. It don't matter if he ran over a hundred babies en route. Man, once you get out of that car and your hands are up and you are surrendering, your past crimes don't matter. Your warrants don't matter. All that matters is I arrest you and I hold you accountable and take you to jail. I can't use what you did in the past and all the people you hurt and killed to use that as a justification to brutally beat you because we are officers of the law. We are not judge, jury, and executioner. Everyone is innocent to a proven guilty. Yeah, in my mind, I know you're guilty because I saw you do it. But regardless, the Constitution says that you are still and able to do process of law. And I feel like I am personally disgusted at the Hardin County Sheriff for trying to justify that and stand by his guys. Yeah, you know, I just, uh, no, I just can't. No, I don't, I won't. I, I just won't support that, man. It just, it's against everything I believe we should be and do as officers. And the, what it does to the profession, to all of us, is it sets us back further and further and it just reaffirms what people believe about us that we are just brutes and we brutalize people all day every day and i know like i said there are times we have to but we have to be just when doing so to me this was not just and man i'm willing to take criticism but i am gonna stand on this hill and die on this hill I, I just am. I'm just I'm not backing down on it. And I'm if you think I'm wrong, so be it, man. If you would stop following me and stop listening to me, so be it, man. I have a difference of opinion. I am willing to discuss this openly with anybody. You know, and I just we I, I believe in holding us to a higher standard. 
I believe in accountability, man. I really, really do. You know, it's these incidents like this that take away our legitimacy. And like I said, people, the public don't understand the force, use of force in a continuum, man. They don't. So what their perception is their reality. And I can try to explain it to people all day. I've had officers try to justify it to me, you know, and I understand where they're coming from. I just don't agree. That doesn't mean you're a bad officer because we have a different view or perspective on the incident. It just means we're different. And that's not necessarily bad. That's not necessarily good. Because like I said, I can definitely see the perspectives. But being reasonable, uh, trying to be as reasonable as a person as I am, I just don't believe that it was reasonable. And for me, it's incidents like this that drive the hate for the profession that leads to the incidents like we had in Los Angeles County a couple of days ago, where you had an individual that decided he would run his car into a group of Los Angeles County Chef, Sheriff Deputy recruits on a run. And he hit like 27 of these deputies, man. And there are some significant injuries. Apparently, people have lost limbs. People's lives, these young deputies recruits lives are going to be changed forever. All because of this one person. And the thing is, like, man, everything you do in this profession matters and affects somebody. And, man, it, it's like a chain effect, man. A dom excuse me, a domino effect. One domino falls and knocks the other one down. I'm not saying that this incident was what led to that one in California, but I'm sure that there was something in that individual's past with law enforcement that led him to make that horrible decision. And the worst part is that this guy made this decision, hurt all these people. They locked him up and then they let him out, even though he's facing multiple charges for murder, attempted murder, multiple charges. And the state of California still let this dude out of jail you're like i'm like like what twisted world are we living in man why that people value that's how much people do not value the lives of law enforcement officers hate say it in america but especially california man so my heart and mine and my prayers are with those individuals right now in california that were hurt man and so you know just going back to this video man you got to ask yourself before you do things in this profession is it worth it? Is me chasing that stolen car down a road where kids have just got out from school, is it worth it? Because it's one of those things where in this profession, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. But the question is, is it worth it and what can you live with? Can you live with letting that car go? And if that car possibly hits a kid down the street and kills somebody, you got to live with that. Or if you chase that car, and because you're chasing that car, something happens and the kid gets killed crossing the street. You still got to live with that. So this is a damn if you do damn if you don't profession. People are always going to have something to say. But the question is, what do you want to live with in your heart and in your mind for the rest of your existence on this earth, man? You have to live with the decisions you make every day and more so in law enforcement, because we have so much more at stake with the decisions that we make. People's lives, liberty, and freedom are hanging in the balance when we are on shift. And we have to be in the right frame of mind to do so. We, as officers, cannot be regulated by our emotions. Only the Constitution and being impartial. Those are the only things that should help us decide how we enforce the law. We have state law that helps direct us. But like I said, we have a conscience and we have decisions to make, man. We have to use our discretion 
and our best judgment. And you can only use your best judgment on the police department when we hire people that have been shown to make good decisions. I mean, the fact that I've heard that this individual officer that we just let go of on LMPD, I said we like I'm there, I'm not still my home, but you know, four departments in six years, I heard he was a problem person. But like I said, I ain't nothing I can do about it. I don't make the decisions of who we hire and who we don't. But I hope and pray that the men and women of Louisville Metro Police Department that are recruiting and hiring learn from this. But I just have a feeling we won't because we just don't ever seem to learn from our lessons there. We keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again just because we want to fill quotas and put a body, you know, in a uniform. And I'm not for that. I'd rather operate with an understaffed department with good, solid quality integrity, honesty filled officers than to be fully overstaffed and overstaffed with garbage ass cops. That's not the environment I want to work in or the type of officers I want to be around. Man, whew. Just realize, man, this Jephthah Creed is hitting kind of hard. I didn't realize I've been going almost two hours. So I hope y'all are still sticking with me. But man, I'm gonna get ready to shut this one down. It's been productive. And I'll be honest. I probably need to go soon because I think my wife is trying to set up the Christmas tree and I am not trying to have that. We it's not even Thanksgiving yet, man. I'm not ready. My God, man. Hell yeah, this stuff is hitting hard. Whew. I'm slurring my words a little bit, y'all. My bad. Still clear mind, but I deserve to feel good for a little bit. But before I go, man, I also want to run this last thing by y'all. You know, I was talking about the elections and the direction of the country and you know, the one the one reason you've heard me say why I hate politics and political season is because all of these stupid text messages that we get from all these politicians every year. One, I'm like, man, how do y'all keep getting my number? One, I don't even live in Arizona. Stop texting me. Bro, just leave me alone. Let me enjoy my life. I don't want your text messages. You know, I'm not donating to your campaign. Y'all already mismanaged my money. I'm not going to give it to you to easily mismanage again. But I wanted to address this text message I got from uh, Blake Masters. It said, uh, you know, I think he was running for Senate, but I think he lost. I'm pretty sure it said three days until we begin rebuilding the American dream. And it says, but that starts with electing leaders who still believe in it. Vote Blake Masters for the U.S. Senate. I want to address that real quick. There is no such thing as building the American dream in three days. There, that text message I got is him telling you, I'm going to build the dream for you. And that if you elect me, I'm going to make your life better. If you elect Blake Masters, guess what? You're going to have your American dream. And let me tell you, that is the biggest lie from the pits of hell. Because y'all have heard me say time and time again, no politician is going to build you anything. They're not going to build your American dream. They're not going to give you anything that is strictly up to you. You could vote that man in office and guess what? Your life will still be just as miserable or just as profitable as the effort you put into it. There is no politician, Trump, DeSantis, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, whoever, that is simply going to make your life better and give you the life that you dream of. 
So you can get these text messages all you want and sit on your butt and wait for somebody to build your American dream for you. Or you can get up off your butt and go out there and build your dream yourself. Start pursuing and chasing the things that you want in life now. Don't wait for the government to get right because the government is never going to get right. Don't wait for the government or a political person of a certain party to get in office to start making your life better because it's never going to make your life better. I don't care how this country votes. I don't care if we go left, right, or we become a socialist country. Well, I do care, but I'm just saying, man. (laughs) But, man, at the end of the day, everything in your life is up to you. How you vote, it has very little impact on your life. Who's in office has very little impact on your life. They the moves that politicians make in this country in your personal everyday life, you, it's a micro move. You don't even notice it. But what matters in your everyday life is the decisions you make getting up in the day in, in the morning. The decision you make to get up and go to work and work overtime to balance your budget, have a budget, live on a budget and that blow your money on stupid stuff. No, the decision to get up and go to the gym and be healthier, the decision to be more present in your children's lives and be a better father and be a better mother. No, the the decision to pursue an education and learn more and be better. The decision to love and help someone who looks different than you, that votes different than you. Those are the decisions that move and make your everyday life and build or tear down your American dream. Blake Masters, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Joe Biden, you know, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi. None of these people have any say so in how you live your life. I say they try to swing their power around. But at the end of the day, it is literally up to you what you achieve and what you accomplish. And that goes for everybody. Black, white, Hispanic, legal, illegal, Christian, you know what? atheist agnostic catholic it don't matter your life is in your hands every day and it depends on the decisions you make you will be as successful as you as much as you want to work and you will be just as unsuccessful depending on how much you decide i don't want to work and just lay down and play the victim card so regardless how the midterms go guess what your life ain't gonna change one iota regardless if you think they stole the election or not Your life ain't going to change in that one simple small moment by those votes. Your life changes and starts and begins with the man in the mirror. That's where you need to look. Don't look to politicians. Don't elect Blake Masters and Donald Trump. Elect yourself. Put stock in yourself. Invest in yourself. Stop investing in politicians, okay? You want a better life? That's how you do it right there. All right? So, ladies and gentlemen... I'm going to get ready to hop off of here. This bourbon filled rant of a triad of a podcast. Once again, man, before I go, let me say to the men and women of the Louisville Metro Police Department from street officers all the way up to the chief. I wish you all nothing but the best going forward, man. And, you know, it. I like to say I I'm that bitter. I'm that angry. You know, in the election here, really, you know, the fact that Louisville decided to vote in. No, new Mayor Greenberg. It's another reason why I left. I just saw the writing on the wall that we have record crime in this city and people are still voting in the same people and same policies. You know, but like I said, hey, 
they can vote in all the policies they want. But at the end of the day, it's up to you. But personally, man, I wish all them the much success. You know, I might not agree with the direction in which things are going, but it, hey, man, I'm not the type of guy that's going to be on a plane with the pilot hoping that the pilot sucks and crashes the plane because he has a different political outtake than me. You know, it's just, man, convoluted politics, y'all. But, man, the people, you know, the men and women on the Louisville Metro Police Department have a tough job to do. And I wish you all nothing but the best going forward, man. I love you all, and I will always continue to love you all. I have supported you all, and I will always continue to support you all because y'all do a wonderful job in a hard time. You all have been my family, will always continue to be my family. I look forward to still seeing you all around the city when I'm up and about and going to the jail and going to court, man. Always feel free to say hi to me and chat with me. Be honest with me. You know, hey, I like that last podcast. I did, man. I cherish and value your opinions. I really do. Even the ones that I don't like that hurt, I ain't gonna say hurt, or the ones that like push back against me, I'm okay with that, man. I don't expect everyone to agree with everything I do and say on this podcast. My man Jump, that man right there, he told me I finally disappointed him about the Christmas tree comments. <laughs> you know, that's just life, man. We can't always agree with everything. I have a wonderful, beautiful wife. We agree on a lot of stuff, but there's just some things we'll never see eye to eye on. But that does not change the fact that because we see different things differently, that we stop caring about each other. And I will never stop caring about the Louisville Metro Police Department, the first division, the people that I work with, you know, the city council and the mayor. I might not like them politically, but I hope and pray that God guides them in their decisions to what's better, best for the city and not themselves. What's best for the city, not to line their pockets, not what's good for them politically, but for the citizens and the officers, because that is what service is, putting others before yourself and what you want. And that's been lost in this country and in this city, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I Am Pitts podcast. If you could, please go and drop me a review if you could on Apple iTunes. And also, hey, if you feel the need, like I said, drop me an email. If you want to go to work in Louisville Metro Police, drop me an email. Give your phone number. I'll chat with you about it. Man, if you want to tell me something about the show you like or don't like, drop me an email at IamPits.com. Good or bad. You want to tell me I'm going to kill you and your family. I'll read your email and laugh it off because I know you're not really going to do it because you ain't about that life. But, hey, man, feel free to reach out, man. And Also, go get a copy of my book, I Am Pits, Memoirs of an American Patriot. Visit IamPits.com. Or if you want an signed autographed copy from me, drop me an email at IamPits at Yahoo.com. And I'll tell you how to purchase from me directly. Also, if you all could, go to my YouTube channel, IamPits on YouTube. You know, subscribe to me there. Trying to grow that up as well, man. And tell your friends and family about the show. Tell them you hate it. Tell them you like it. Tell them to tune in and see if they like it or not. Who knows? Who really cares? Man, I'm just doing my thing, man, and I absolutely love it and will continue to do it. And I thank you all for tuning in again, as always. The comments on my uh, Instagram page, be sure to follow me on IamPits1 on Instagram. I love when people interact with me on there, man. And like I said, I'm not here trying to be a Instagram, YouTube star. Definitely not going to be an Instagram model. You ain't going to see any spread eagle pics of me trying to sell my book, all right? I promise. 
But, you know, like come interact with me there, man. Come live life with me on my Instagram page, man. That's where I'm at all the time. Also, come to my Facebook page. I am Pitts and Memoirs of the American Patriot on Facebook, all right? Ladies and gentlemen, man, it has been so much fun getting to do the show, and I've been meaning to do it for quite some time. And so much happened over the time I was off, hence the reason why I am two hours and ten minutes into this episode. So you will have a lot of content to listen to on your way to and drive to work and back from work. All right. So, man, thank you all for tuning in again. As always, you all are loved and appreciated. And, man, I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And after your Thanksgiving, you can go and put your trees up. Okay. I'm still harping on that. My war on early Christmas continues. All right. I'm not backing down or giving up, man. But do you all definitely remember the reason for the season Man, go eat some turkey, that dry-ass turkey that y'all like. Me, personally, I like ham. But, man, just enjoy being around your family. Man, put politics away and just enjoy the people in your lives, man. That's what I'm doing. I cannot wait to go and hang with my family for a couple days because, man, at the end of the day, that's what really matters, being around friends and family. That's what it's all about, all right? So, man, y'all take care. Thank you for tuning in. And I will see you all on the next one.